Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Pat Donovan and joining me for the first time in 2019, back from the upside down and chasing down Tyrod Taylor and Byron Buxton's upside, Nick Ligatino. <laughs> it's good to be back. What's up? And also joining me for the first time in 2019, the newly married man, Joe Saunders. The boys are back in town, baby. <laughs> no more race car bed. <laughs> I still got my milk, though. Chocolate milk. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, guys, we're going to be doing our third base preview tonight, so let's kick it off right off the bat with the number one third baseman, Jose Ramirez, who also has second base eligibility in 15 games started formats, an ADP of 3.72. Followed up a breakout 2017 with an MVP caliber season. Is there even a little bit more upside from Ramirez considering the 252 Babbitt? Or did we see the best Jose Ramirez season? Nick, since you believe there was another level, why don't you kick us off with your take on Jose Ramirez in 2019? Yeah, so, all right, with Ramirez, uh, the main reason why I like him going into the I mean, I've liked him for a, for a lot of, since he's come up. You guys know this. I've been a huge fan. Um, and I just like the, the contact ability, the pure hitter that he is and that he was in 2016 when he just went 11-20. So you could just see the bat. Um, he could hit anywhere in the zone, um, out of the zone. He just makes crazy contact. He's super patient. He takes a walk. Um, as far as, like, just – being a really, really good pure hitter, I think he's possibly the best in baseball now, now that Miguel Cabrera is kind of like on the downslopes of retirement. Um, as far as the power goes, so the reason why I called out Ramirez's power originally is because of this. Um, over the last, I want to say, 10 years, anyone who has come into the league and has been a tremendous contact hitter has – turn their swing into power because um, they had the ability to do so. So Ramirez is one of those guys. Robinson Cano was one of those guys. Um, when he came up, he was a high 300s hitter, and then he then down, sacrificed a little bit of average for the pop. And that's what we saw in, in um, Ramirez last year. The difference, though, with Ramirez is there was a lot of – was a bit of unluckiness as far as the batting average goes. And he's the kind of guy that – and I've always comped him to Manny Ramirez – I think that at the end of the day, they're going to have both very similar careers minus the stolen bases. Um, as far as power, um, runs, RBIs, average, OBP, everything else, I think they're going to be extremely close. And I think Ramirez is going to be a 40 home run bat um, at some point. It could come this year. If not, it'll be around 35. Um, but I think this is where he's going to stay. The power is real. And he could hit it oppo. He could pull it. He's just – he's got an insane eye. And now he's got the power. So, really, the possibilities are endless. And I, I just – he's probably my favorite – one of my favorite players in baseball. Let me ask you something. Um, so, I was – me and Pat were definitely wrong on the power. Um, like, we, we missed. So, my question is, is – do you expect somewhere even close to 30 stolen bases again? Because that seems kind of – I mean, I know I know he's an extre- extraordinarily excellent stolen, stolen base guy, right? Like, it's he's not, like, blazing fast. He's just very good at stealing bases. But 34 well, is a lot. 
It's it's a lot, but I said what my predictions for him last year, I believe, were 35 30, 300. So the only number that I really missed on bad was the average. Um, but and, and clearly kind of traded some some of some of the contact ability, some of the average ability for for pop. Well, yeah, because he was hitting a lot of fly balls so. and he hit a lot of pop ups. But he's too. and he he's still like he's still making adjustments. This is only his third full year. And I, I recommend that you guys actually go look at Manny Ramirez's first five years. They're really comparable to, to Jose's. Um, and with Jose, as far as the speed goes, I've always said he's got absolutely blazing speed. I think he's um, a little bit faster than Lindor. Um, so I think he'll always have just a bit more stolen bases than Lindor. But the, the base on ball percentage jump into 15.2%. That has everything to do with it. If that sustains, if, if he holds – Anywhere near 15% walk rate, he's going to steal bases. And as long as he's hitting 39 home runs, they're going to intentionally walk him, especially when he's in front of Lindor and behind the rest of that Indians lineup. Um, so, like, my projections for this year, I, like, I have him down for 40 home runs, 30 steals, 310 average. Like, insane. Like, insane off-the-charts numbers. I, yeah, those I, are video game numbers. They are, but he wasn't that far off. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. And, and I know you guys are not going to fight me on the 300 average. I mean, well, I've got him at 280, but okay. Well, it's, 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 yeah, I'm at 276. 276. Okay. Well, you know, still 280s. What, what, what would your guys' projections be for Ramirez this year? I've got him at 35, 25, 280. I'm at 33, 25, 276. So, so yeah, he's we're, we're, we're all in love with him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But and there's there's a lot to like. I mean, you know, you mentioned the walk rate. Excellent. The batting average was probably about 20-ish points too low based upon what he did. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with you about calling him blazing fast. I think he's more of a heady base runner than some guy that's necessarily yeah, got outstanding speed. He was 255th in sprint speed score last year, right? And he was like in the 160s the, the, the past few years. So he's not blazing fast. He's just, again, an excellent base runner. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And and I don't expect them. Well, I, and, and I don't expect them to you know put the leash on him because he's very good, and that lineup is really like two guys right now, two guys and Carlos Santana. Yeah. So like, if Ramirez and Lindor aren't hitting bombs, they're not going to staple them to first base because they're going to need to move from first base in order to score runs. All right, let's move to Nolan Arenado. Eight. 0.72 ADP. Despite another typical Arenado season, he finds himself further down the board. Are you on board with pushing down a four-category monster, or do you think the market is going a little speed crazy when it comes to Arenado? Joe, why don't you kick us off on this one? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm definitely. I mean, you kind of know how this is going to go. Um, I I'd rather have Arenado than someone like Trey Turner, for example. Um, you know, the speed just doesn't really. I don't really need the speed. I feel like I don't need the speed. Um, Arenado is is such an excellent hitter. I mean, the 300 batting average alone is worth so much. You know, the 900 plus OPS. Um, I mean, that's obviously more important in an OBP league. But even still, I mean, he's going to eclipse 100 runs and 100 RBIs. Easy. Uh, I don't know. There, there's no reason. There's no reason why I'd take Arenado over Turner personally. Well, no. And I singled I singled out Turner because I think he's gonna go probably before Arenado. 
Is he going before Arenado? No, not right now. Turner okay. is right around 10-11. And Arenado's between eight and nine. So Arenado's going in front. But Joe, let me ask you, is he sure. is he number four on your board? Um four. Mm, no, I'd rather have Ramirez and Lindor. Okay. Because they offer they offer the home runs and the steals. Yeah. Okay, Nick, what about you? Uh for me it's 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 really, really a toss up. First of all, I'm a I'm a I'm an Arenado guy. You're an Arenado guy. I mean, guy. who isn't at this point? Who isn't? Who isn't? <laughs> You're right. Um, but this this lineup is right now probably better than it's ever been. Um and I think that the RBI totals are, are gonna go back from last year they were one ten to right where they were the year before and the year before. three years in a row he had hundred and thirty plus RBIs. That is insane. Um, so, so, so the category juice in the runs and RBIs are just elite. You're looking at a combined 230, 240, um, possible 240 plus, along with the pop, along with the good average. Um, like, he's insane. So it's, it's really a toss-up. I'd, I'd probably give Arenado the nod over both – Ramirez and and Lindor, I think. Yeah, I, I like you, you sound like you're already second guessing yourself. It's 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 really tough because, like you said, the stolen bases are. It's not just ten more, you know. It's like, it's twenty five. So Arenado is three on your big board, Nick. I don't know. I have to. I have to really, really dissect my big board. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've tough. got Arenado four. You know, and that's who's that in front of then? Trout. Betts and Ramirez are in front of him. Okay. And Lindor would come in behind him. Okay. And the, the reasoning is pretty simple. I mean, number one, I'm not as concerned with speed as the market is. I believe that you can find it um, yep. at, in all aspects of the draft if you, you know, do your homework and if you, you plan well. So that's, that's, number one for me. And number two is, is pretty much what both of you said, which is you're looking at a 35, 40 homer bat. That's going to hit 290 plus and be an absolute rug production monster. And you can put it in the bank. Yeah. You know, this isn't, this isn't Lindor and Ramirez that had, you know, really, really good seasons. And then elite seasons where, you know, they, Arenado's been elite, every year of his entire career pretty yeah. much. Um, and, you know, he's, he's obviously still in cores. As Nick mentioned, that lineup is looking really, really good. Adding Daniel Murphy to the mix. Yeah, the Murph effect. is It's it's hard to deny the Murph effect. Yeah, and, and there were a lot of guys that sort of had somewhat down seasons last year, and you just don't really expect that to continue in cores. And I don't. So, I mean, I'll take the four categories – and the juice that he provides there, and, and I'll find my speed later. I, I, yeah, I think I'm. I'm probably. I'm, I think. I think my my big board is the same as yours, Pat. I'm probably going Trout, Betts, uh, uh, Jose, Arenado, then Lindor. To yeah. to be completely fair, right? If you end up with any of those five, you're still fine. Oh yeah, and yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Okay, let's move to Alex Bregman. Eleven point two one ADP. Also has shortstop eligibility. Took a big step forward in several areas, but will be coming off an elbow procedure 
Do you think this is a new normal for Bregman, or is he overpriced? Joe, you have to take this one as the Astros guy. Yeah, so um, this one's actually kind of hard for me to say because I love Bregman a lot. Um, but I and I was I was a high man on him, but I thought he was closer to like 26, 27 home runs, not 30 plus, and I still stand by that. Um, I know he's he's got an extremely short stroke that can generate power and get the ball over um, over the Crawford boxes in Houston, but I don't think he's I don't think he's consistently strong enough um, to be a, a regular thirty home run bat. Now, again, I think he's probably closer to like twenty six, twenty seven, and there's a very good chance that in any given season, noise means that he gets over 30. Um, there's also the declining stolen bases, right? And we talked about this last year that um, I thought Houston was going to steal less, and they pretty much all did. Um, and I don't see why that would necessarily stop. Even though Bregman's a good stolen base guy too, um, you know, he's going to be slotted right in the 2-3-4 slot. Um, so they're probably going to hold up on stolen bases again. So you know, I, I think he's good for like 280, 26, probably around 10. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of batting average upside, maybe like he eclipses 290. But I wouldn't, I, I don't know if he's got like a next level of power. Pat? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the elbow too, Joe. And I know that we talked about this offline. Sure. You know, I view the dra- top of the draft is pretty loaded. And I think you can make a legitimate case for probably about 20 guys being first-round talent in terms of what you would see in a normal year. And Brinkman is definitely among that group. I do not like procedures like this just before spring training. I know that it's not supposed to be serious. And I know that Bregman has said he'll be ready to go. But when you're looking at the top of the draft, you're really sort of cutting hairs when you start to move outside of that top five that we talked about, at least in my opinion, and this is enough to kind of push him down my board a little bit more than I thought he would be. Now I do agree with what you said, Joe, about the power. I think he's like more of a high twenties guy than a 30 guy. Um, you know, that's a fine line to walk because like you said, a couple of gusts to win and then he's at 30. Um, I'm not terribly worried about speed. I think he'll, get his double digits plus um, and the batting average should be very good considering the elite plate scales and mm-hmm. the kind of contact that he makes. But, you know, I, I and, and the, the run production should be good as well. I mean, the lineup is still very good. You know, you had Altuve on a down year, you had Correa on a down year. Um, you, I think we can expect those guys to bounce back. They've added Brantley now to kind of solidify um, that corner outfield slash first base slash DH spot, give them a little bit more offensive depth. I like that move a lot. Such a good there's, signing. Um, yeah. There's rumors that they're that they're going to be involved still with uh, <clears throat> potentially Real Muto. They add him, the lineup gets better. So, I mean, yeah, I, I like Bregman a lot. I just kind of see him towards that, the turn of the first round into the second round. And – I think that there's usually going to be somebody that likes him a little bit more than me picking before me. 
All right, so I guess I'm probably the odd man out here. So first of all, I want to start off by saying that I really do like Bregman, and he he fits the bill of exactly what I was talking about before with Ramirez. Yeah, a, yes. A, a really good contact hitter who is now, um, you know, changed the launch angle a bit, um, added a bit more exit below this year. I think it was up two ticks um, from the season before. He's at 89. I think it was at 87 in 2018 or 2017. Um, so, you know, he's swinging a bit harder and I think that the power is sustainable. I mean, both of you guys said, you know, high twenties, he had 31. So I think he could be like a Justin Upton as far as power goes, like some years, 26, 27, some years, 31, 30, but yeah, he'll float yeah. around that. That's the same thing that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But the, the, the issue that I have won the elbow, um, because, Listen, elbows are tough. He's a third baseman. Um, it, it's just—is it his throwing arm, Joe? Uh, I believe it is. It okay. was—it was to clean up scar tissue. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't sound that serious, but it's just—it's it's right before sh- uh, spring training, so it is a little bit worrisome. So he—I'm uh, sorry, just just to interject here, right? So he did say that he he was dealing with it for. A number of years, I think it was. I, hmm. I I need to double check and make sure. But he said he was dealing with it for a number of years, and it kind of just pinched. And he was like, "All right, let's just get it taken care of." Okay. Yeah, it, do- it doesn't sound major. Um, but as far as Bregman, um, I think that the the real upside is the batting average. Um, he sat at two eighty six this year with a two eighty nine Babbitt. He sat at two eighty four the year before. I think he's a guy who could easily hit three hundred in a in a in a year coming very 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 soon. Yeah, um, agree. And that's going to come with the double-digit steals, hopefully. Um, and it's going to come with the pop. But the reason why I don't like the ADP is just because of the gap between him and the next guy we're going to talk about. So we could just segue right into Chris Bryant if you want. Oh, okay. Well, we're not going to talk about Chris Bryant yet. We're talking about Javier Baez first. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Javier Baez, 13.11. Nick, this is why you don't host. Second base and shortstop <laughs> eligibility. Obviously, a much different player than Bregman. Uh, who do you prefer between the two of them, Baez and Bregman? Nick? This, is, this isn't even close. Yeah, this, this is not even close for me. It's definitely Bregman. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree as well. Um, you know, I mean, but I, I will say this. I'm, I'm sort of done doubting Baez to the extent I have dismissed him before. Um, you know, he's hyper-aggressive. He swings a lot out of the zone. Um, but... You know, he, he's he's so aggressive that the swing and miss really isn't able to affect him the way it might affect another player. Um, so, you know, he doesn't get deep enough into counts for it to, to really start to affect the batting average so much. Now, I mean, I do think there's substantial regression coming. I do think he's more of a 270-25-15 type true talent. Um, but... You know, that's still a very nice player, but it's not a first-round player. And with the sort of variance that that does put into his profile, I'm not looking for him at this price. I think that this is too much to pay, and I think there's too many solid players on the board, players like Alex Bregman, that I would rather have at the price he's going at. Yeah, Yeah, I'd I'd much rather chase um, the contact ability in Bregman than um, 
you know, the explosive season that Bios just had. And Pat, you, you mentioned something, right? Like you said, what, 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 a 270, 25 type guy, right? The, the, the hidden factor here is that's going to be, I know Brian and Rizzo had down years, but that's still going to be a huge detriment to his runs in RBI production, right? And we're talking about guys that have elite run in RBI production in the first round, right? Like your Machados, your JD Martinez's, your Nolan Arenado's, right? And if you don't get that in Baez, you missed, coupled with the variance, right? There's just too many ifs here for me to feel good about this, especially considering we were taking this guy like 160 last year. Yeah. Um, listen, first of all, um, I know you brought you guys going to say, oh, well, nobody does OBP leagues. But if you're in an OBP P league, I mean, he was at 326 last year, 317 the year before. Um, the the 4.5% walk rate, it's it's just hard. There are no players in, in anywhere around him that have a 4.5% walk rate. Um, That's an excellent point. And I just – I know Pat said that he sees major regression coming where he could hit, you know, 270. I would not be surprised to see Baez hit 250 in a, in a given year. I really wouldn't. Do I think it's going to happen this year? No. I have him pen then for high 20s pop. I have him penciled in for a 270-ish average. Could be a little bit less. Um, and definitely less than 21 steals. I don't think he steals 21 bases again because of the walk rate. He, he – you can't steal 20-plus bags again if you walk 4.5% of the time. So um, I do like the player. I think that he will have good run in RBI category juice again, especially since he had 100-plus in both categories with Rizzo on somewhat of a down year, Bryant completely not playing. Um, he gets both of those guys back fully healthy this year, so those numbers should go up. Um, so I, I, I do like the player, but there's just – He's a question mark, and I'm not taking a guy this high that's a question mark. Yeah, you know, you say 250, right? Like, you know, if we all think that his true talent batting average is somewhere around 270, well, we just saw the plus 20, so, you know, what happens if we see the minus 20? Yep. Yeah, exactly. and, and the walk rate of, and the walk rate in the OBP affecting the stolen bases is an excellent point, Nick. It really is, because if he's not walking – and the average is going down, he's on base less, and it doesn't take, you know, a rocket scientist to figure out that suddenly those 21 steals become the 15 that we're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this This is like, uh, I hate to beat up, beat up on him, but he's like easily the bus candidate for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I relatively. Don't, I don't hate, like, listen, I don't, I don't hate the player. Um, what's what's the ADP, Pat? Thirteen. Oh my God! But I hate that ADP. I mean, is that before Yikes. Machado? That's before Machado. That's before Dude, Machado. How could you take you, Javier Baez you, before Manny Machado? If you are t- in your draft and you are looking at Freddie Freeman and you're looking at Javier Baez, like forget positioning. Like, yeah, what are you no thinking? Brainer. What are you thinking? I mean, I'd rather have Trevor Story. Uh, yes. Yeah, probably. Because I think I I think he made some real deal changes. Yeah. That warrant what he did, right? Baez was just the same player. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, let's move it to Chris Bryant. Nick, I know you wanted to talk about him. ADP thirty five point eight three has outfield eligibility. Do you think the injuries were the cause of his struggles? And even if he bounces back, has the player pool passed him by a little bit? So, to me, this is the year to buy Chris Bryant. 
Um, yes. This yes. is this is the year. Um, the first. Yeah, him year, and Rizzo. Yeah. Him, him and Rizzo. Oh my God, Rizzo! Forget about it. Please, I'm gonna go crazy over Rizzo. But but as far as um, Bryant, you know, the first year coming up, um, there was just he was so highly touted. There was so much buzz around Bryant being the next big thing. Um, he was taken a bit too high. Um, the year after, he hit 39 home runs. So in 2017, he was a first round pick. Um, then he went down to 29, and people were kind of like, eh. And now the injury. So it's perfect because 2017 was a down year in pop and steals, followed by the injury in 2018. So for us, it's an absolute major steal because we know the talent there and the upside that the kid has. And the upside that he has is this kid, in my opinion, when, when he was coming up um, in 2015, I said, this kid is going to one day hit 40 home runs. He's going to bat like 295, hit 300 possibly, have major, major counting stats on this roster, and he's going to be better than Bryce Harper because that was the deal at that time. It's like him or Bryce. I always like Bryant 10 times better than Bryce Harper. Um, so this I do year, not agree with that. Oh, really? No, no way. You, you like Harper better than Bryant? Absolutely, 100%. Oh, I like Bryant better than Harper. But so anyway. Break the tie. Uh, I like Harper better too. Okay. Well, listen, uh, this year I have Bryant uh, down for 35 home runs, 10 steals, and a 285 average with major counting stats. Right so, RBI okay, so my, my question to you, Nick, right? So I feel like that is a definite possibility. But, like, what percentile is that for you? Is that, like, your 90 percentile for Bryant, your 50 percentile for Bryant? Like, I mean, that's just – that's not projecting his upside. That's just my projection for him. That's what that's what I think he's going to get. So that's my probability of what he's the outcome of his year is going to be. Okay, right? Because like I feel like I can reasonably pencil him in for like 30, 28, 29. I think that he can like probably ninety nine percentile is like thirty nine forty. Yeah, and then like thirty five is like yeah like ninety ish or so ninety eighty five. Like he's got to have a pretty good year to hit that number. Um, but I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'm much closer to 290, 30, and 7 or 8 stolen bases than I am 35 or 40. I would agree that I think like 35 is probably about his 75 to 80 percentile outcome. Um, and his absolute upside is probably about 40 homers. Um, but yeah, I, I, I expect a, a good amount of bounce back here. I mean, it's pretty obvious Shoulder was a major issue last year. Um, you know, he has an offseason to get healthy. We saw what that did for Matt Carpenter, for instance, who had a significant shoulder injury, just offseason rest, got him healthy enough to where he was able to put together an MVP caliber season. Bryant's, of course, much younger, has better bat-to-ball skills than Carpenter in terms of – I shouldn't say bat-to-ball skills. I should say bat-to-ball profile. It is better for batting average. So you can expect a higher batting average. He's going to be in the middle of a lineup that's got, like like we said, Javier Baez, who had an awesome year last year, who we think is somewhat safe to be a productive player, maybe not an elite player that he's being drafted as, but they've also got Anthony Rizzo. Um, so, I mean, there are pieces there that can help the run production from, from Bryant. So, yeah, I, I like the price on Brian as well. I'm with you guys on that. I expect the lift to return to the swing. I'm not terribly worried about 
the ground, the grounders being up, I think that'll come back. And I don't think it's going to come back in a way that's going to shrink the batting average to any great extent. So I'm in on Brian as well. And listen, if you look at uh, 2015, 2016, and 2017, the K rates, the walk rates, the contact rates, everything, he improved each and, each and every one of those seasons. Um, if, he, if he keeps the gains that he made in 2017 with the 14.3% walk rate, um, a 19% K rate, which the K rate was the big issue. Uh, cheers, Pat. I'm sure that's you that just popped that open. Um, Damn, Skippy. If, if he maintains that K rate, because was it the main issue when he, com- when he came up like K's so, and like the first year he came out, he struck out 30% of the time. But then it, he, he played a whole season where he was at, he was sub 20. He was 19.2% in 2017. So you take away the one injured year, which was last year, keep the gains from 2017. And I don't know, sky's the limit for this kid. 409 OBP that year too. Yeah, this this one's crazy, man. I mean, what's what's the ADP here? Sorry, uh, thirty five. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Twelve team, twelve team draft. That's oh, the end of round three. Oh my goodness gracious, Joe! Joe he the entire twenty sixteen year he finished with a twenty point nine degree launch angle. I, I mean, and yeah, a ninety degree exit velo. This this is a crime. This is a crime. I mean, this is like this is like. Per, a perfect example of recency bias to me between like we just talked about Javier Baez and now we're talking about Chris Bryant. It's like, we just completely forgot about their careers up to this now. Point. Who do you like? Who do you like in a vacuum? That's the better question between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, I still have Bryant. Yeah. Or, Brian. Over I like over bias. I have Brian over bias too. 20 picks later. I have a number of players actually in, in front of bias. Now, granted, <laughs> right. We play in an OPS league. Yeah. Um, but no, no, forget OPS. Forget that. In general. Oh well, in general, yes, I still have Brian ahead. Yeah, but in in like our OPS league, I have Bias pretty far down. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think I've got Bias around forty in both formats. I don't think that I've got him terribly high, um, even in standard comparable to the market. I mean, a top fifty overall ranking is still good. It's not like I expect him to be absolutely terrible, but. Mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot of variance there. Um, and Brian's really only, the only variance you really see out of Brian is when he was injured. So yeah, if you expect him to be healthy, could happen to anyone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's move to Vladimir Guerrero jr. Sixth overall third baseman, 38.57, a top 40 pick for a guy who's never taken a major league at bat. Plus, there's a very real possibility he gets higher with a good spring. Are you in on paying this sort of price for Vlad Jr.? Who wants this one? Joe, you get started because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably rant. Uh, good or bad? bad? Just curious. Bad. Interesting. Okay. Um, so the real gripe I have here is taking him over someone like Rendon, who um, I think – Right out of my notes. <laughs> even if even if Rendon does exactly the same thing as he did last year, he'll be better than Vlad. Um, pretty much because Vlad has to make it up in in terms of plate appearances, and that's going to be really difficult to beat because Rendon's probably a sure in lock for like a 300, 305 batting average, and you have to pretty much bank on on uh, Vlad, you know, hitting like six or seven more home runs than him, which is just really, really tough to do in limited at-bats. Um, so the overall price, I'm out. I don't hate him, though. I think he'll be pretty good. And 
a couple of guys back is where he should be. All right. So I, I agree, Joe, first of all. So I'm, I'm taking not only I'm not only taking Rendon over him, I'm taking Suarez over him. I'm taking Yes. I'm taking a number of guys over him. I'm probably taking Matt Carpenter over him where he has third base eligibility. I'm taking No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I'm not the Matt Carpenter. You guy. are absolutely but, not the Matt Carpenter. But, okay, I'm I'm but, definitely not taking Matt Carpenter over him. Okay, that's well, this is the year to take Matt Carpenter over him, no? No, because I think Vlad will definitely have him beaten batting average. So what? Matt Carpenter's going to score like 8,000 runs. Uh, I don't know about that. All right. Anyway, listen. Um, Joe, they got Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Enough said. He's no Adam um, Eaton, though. <laughs> anyway, listen. Here's, the, here's, the, here's my, my gripe with uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Okay. So like, like Joe said, um, you know, he – he played 61 games in double-A ball. He played 30 games in triple-A ball. We have not seen enough of this kid to put him where he is at right now. See, that's – I don't know. That's where I think I kind of disagree, right? The talent is there. No, no, yes. I, I, no, the talent is there, Joe. I, I, I agree. He's going to be a very good player one day, but he has never seen an MLB pitcher. Sure. And sure, I, but neither – I mean, neither did Soto last no, year, right? No, so, and Soto went undrafted. And what did I say last year? Soto is going to be better than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So yeah, this is this is considerably higher than Acuna too, right? Yeah, yes. it was like, around, was like 80, eighty, right? Yeah, eighty, eighty or ninety. And uh, and and listen, he stole, and right? Acuna, Acuna, yeah, exactly. Acuna steals. He he, st- he stole bases and he looked amazing against major league pitching, and we saw a lot of him. Um, Look, bottom line is, um, I think Vlad's going to be a great player. This is completely overpaying for a guy that we haven't seen playing the bigs yet. Um, there are other guys at third base I'd rather have, like I said, Carpenter, et cetera, et cetera. Do I think he's going to be good? Yes. But do I think he returns the value? If they say DP, no. Obviously, this changes in um, different formatted type leagues, dynasty, whatever, whatever. But she's probably owned in every dynasty league already. But, um, yeah, I'm not taking him here. It's not even close to here. I'm putting him – I'd put him literally – 50 overall picks later. Yeah, not I'm not even quite, in the vicinity. I'm not quite as low as you, Nick. I'm right around 60. But, you know, there, there is another element of downside here that we haven't talked about, which is do we really know that Toronto is going to bring him up right away? I mean, if you're taking him here, you're counting on him being up opening day or being up two weeks into the season. Now, do I think that's the likely outcome. Yeah, I do think it's pretty likely we see him before the end of April, but Toronto's not going to be competitive this year, right? Like there's no way they're competing in that division. Mm -hmm. And last year we were sitting there in May, Juan Soto came up and everyone was saying, when is Vlad Jr. going to come up? When is Vlad Jr. going to come up? And then he got hurt. And then he came back and continued to rake, and he never came up. So is there like – there is totally a non-zero chance here that Vlad doesn't see the light of day nearly as soon as everybody that's picking him in the third and fourth round of fantasy drafts thinks. That's, that's a major element of risk. And then, Joe, I just want to elaborate on your point about Rendon. So – Last year, Rendon, 24 homers, 
308 batting average, 180 runs plus RBIs. Fantastic year, right? And probably somewhere in the range of outcomes for Vlad, even with the fact that he's never seen a major league at bat, right? Agreed. Definitely. So, but that was the 33rd overall player on the player Raider, on ESPN's player Raider. So your break-even line for a player that has no speed and Vlad is not going to run, it's it's like you're drafting him at his ceiling at this point. Yeah. There is absolutely no profit in this pick. And like Joe mentioned, if there is an issue with the playing time, he's got to find his way to make it up. And that means he's got to hit like 330. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. Or pop another five or six homers and get the 30 homers. That's exactly and nobody expects that. Yeah, that's exactly what I Listen, said. listen, bottom line is this. I say it every year. The people who win the fantasy leagues are the people who play the waiver wire right and the people who play the prospects right. You wait and you take Tatis if you want a prospect. You wait and you take Jack Flaherty like last year. You wait and you take Soto. The, like, there are other, Kyle so, Tucker. Kyle Tucker. There are so <laughs> many so many guys out there this year. We, Kyle we, Tucker is sub 200 average. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but yeah, really but you know he's going to be great. He's really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, but look, bottom line is we go through this every year and every year before the draft. Some just people want to be the guy who took who took the guy. Well, so all right, so how much of this is Acuna's fault? Zero. You uh, think Vlad, it's zero? Has been, it's, it's, has been highly touted since he was twelve years old. It's Acuna and it's also Soto. It's, it's both of them. It's their fault. It's definitely their fault. I kind of right disagree. because people people think. People are, are are thinking like, okay, well, the two of them just did it, and Vlad is an equal in terms of prospect pedigree. So why would he do I it? I disagree. I disagree with that. I disagree so, with that. So I, so why do, why do you think they're going? Why do you think analysts because, are going crazy? Because Vlad is Vlad is probably one of the most highly touted prospects of all time. We've been hearing about him since he was literally fourteen years old. Like he's 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 this he's Bryce Harper right now. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say like where did Harper go? Because I went, can't remember. He went really high, if I remember correctly. He went like really really high. I don't remember. It's too long ago. Yeah, it's too long ago. Too long point. ago. Too many beers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, go. let's move it to Anthony Rendon, who we've sort of discussed already. Yeah. We're all third baseman, forty-eight point four seven. The results really haven't been much different the last few years. Speed has begun to dissolve. The average has ticked up. Does this feel like a player that's got something more? Is there is he on the verge of something big? Or is Rendon what he is at this point? Who do you want to take this? Uh, you talk first. You talk first, so you can take it. Okay. So me. You. Okay. <laughs> Who? Me? You? Me? Who? Nick. Um, this is like Abbott and Costello. All right, no. Um, so first of all, I've always loved Rendon. I think we, we've all been Rendon guys in this chat, correct? Yes, I was okay. the original Rendon guy. Okay, credit to you, Pat. Thank you. Um, but I'm the one who drafted him last year. <laughs> and the reason why I drafted him last year was because I thought that they, there was um, some upside as far as the power goes. And I still think there is some upside as far as the power goes. Um you look at the advanced stats, you look at the stat cast, and he's got the exit below. He's got the launch angle. He's a great contact hitter. And I, I don't know how he hasn't hit over 25 home runs yet. I think it's coming this year. Just something in my gut tells me he's going to hit over 25 bombs this year. And it's going to come with a really nice average, as usual. Um, it's going to come with a really good OBP. 
And we could see a little bit of a bump in the uh, stolen base area. Just remember, when he started the year last year, he was a, he had a slight injury from uh, spring training head into yeah, the year. Fight. Yeah, so that could have slowed him down a little bit. Um, and, you know, the year before that, in 2017, he had seven stolen bases. And for me, it's like if you're, if you're over five, that's when it kind of becomes a little, you know, a little extra. You know what I mean? Like, if he's able to go 25-plus, 5-plus deals and then give you the 300 average, then, then it's worth it. But if he's sub-25, sub-5 in stolen bases and 300, then it just becomes a little vanilla for me, especially with we – don't, we don't really know what's going on with this Nationals lineup right now. I don't know if the running RBI production will be there as well as it was last year and the year before. But I'm, I'm buying him at the price. Um, he, he's super safe, like Bregman. He's got an excellent hit tool, and I think he's got a big upside as far as uh, – not big upside, but I think he's got some, some upside he hasn't gotten to yet as far as pop goes. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to add is – and you alluded to it. I think the steals will come back up because of the foot. Um, aside from but, that – But um, up to up – to, yeah, like, like six or seven. Uh, okay. What do I have him for? I have him for seven. Okay. Yeah, and the Nats are the team that ran, I believe, fifth most in the majors. And they haven't had any kind of managerial change. So I think their I think their strategy is in part to run. I think with Harper gone, if he's gone, they're probably more likely to embrace that. Um, and I agree, the, the running had a lot to do with the foot issue. But I just want to echo what Nick said as far as the power goes. I do believe that there is... I think true talent, he's probably about a 25 home run guy. Agreed. Um, but I do think there is a 30-plus homer season in that bat, and it could come with a 300-plus average. And at that point, it becomes a premium asset, and it could be this year. Um, but another point that you said, Nick, was about the run production. And, you know, I'm not really even that worried about it. Because if Harper is gone, Rendon is going to move into a different slot in the lineup. And I believe he was primarily the five hitter last year. Yep, he shifted around. He was moved around. Yeah, he was moved around a lot. But if he's if he's moving up in the lineup, he's going to make up some of his lost production from Harper being gone with increased volume from Harper being gone. So he's going to see more at bats, and he might be able to make up the difference from you know getting thirty-five to forty to fifty more at bats, which is what ends up happening as you move up the lineup. Um, so it, it might be a case where you know he's just going to take a few more at bats to get there, but he might end up in the same spot anyway. Hmm. So do we do we all like the ADP on a uh, on a uh, random? Yeah, I think it's odd that he's ten picks behind Vlad. Mm-hmm. I I would have I like the price. I might even have him a little higher than this. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Eugenio Suarez, eighth third baseman overall, fifty one point six eight. Suarez was one of the big surprises. I was among his backers, but no one saw what ended up happening coming. Um, give me the likelihood that he repeats last year's breakout: twenty five percent, fifty percent. Where are you, and do you like him or Rendon better? Joe? Oh, that's tough. Um, I like Rendon better because I feel more, a little bit more confident about Rendon's hit tool than um, Suarez's power necessarily. 
But with that said, I didn't answer your question yet, Pat. Sorry about that. With that said, right, we've been talking offline about how good the, the Reds' offense is going to be this year. So there's definitely some potential for even more runs in RBIs than he had last year. As far as the pop goes, um, I think, I think uh, the, the actual projections have him spot on. Um, somewhere between 2017 and 2018 is probably right. So probably right around 29 or 30 home runs. Um, uh, let's see. What, what else do I have him projected as? I, I have him losing a little bit in batting average, too, um, because he's not an elite, elite contact guy, but he's a solid contact guy. He doesn't chase too much. Um, you know, the, I don't. I didn't see too big of a change in in the the, uh, the discipline skills so much. So... I think like probably a, a smack average between 17 and 18 is what I'd expect. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I actually completely agree with you, Joe. So I, I have him down for 30 home runs and a 270 average, um, which is right in between 2017 and 2018, but with a bump to runs in RBIs because of how good this Reds friggin' offense really is because um, they're, they're going to score a lot of runs this year. They just have they have OBP machines in the front of him. He is always going to have runners on base with Winker and Votto. Always. Yeah, and, and Votto is terrible too. What? Votto was like terrible. Like Votto oh, had a oh. bad bad year <laughs> last year. I thought you said Votto is terrible. No, like, no, 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 um, But yeah, so there's always going to be guys on base, so the RBI totals will be there. I think it could possibly eclipse 110, which would be the magic number, but. Joe, I think you hit it on the nail. I believe in Rendon's hit tool more than I do Suarez's power. For that, I'm going with Rendon over him. But I still like Suarez a, a, a hell of a lot. Yeah, I feel like like you know, if someone snipes Rendon in front of you and you're like, ah, oh, damn, I'm left with Suarez. Yeah, I feel very comfortable about that. Very comfortable, exactly. Yeah, I I think that's what you take away from this is whichever one you like better, it, it's probably not worth. If they're both on the board and you're you're coming back around, you probably can settle for the one that somebody else takes or the one that will be left for you, I should say. So, I mean, with Suarez, listen, the batted ball profile, outstanding. Hard contact rate was awesome. It was like 40-something percent, right? Yeah, I, I think it was actually close to 50. Um, so, I mean, he, he smashed the ball. And he's, he's another guy that's got that profile in terms of batted balls that's good for both power and average. So he's going to keep a high Babbitt. So, I mean, I'm a little bit higher than you guys. I'm a believer that the home runs are, you know, 50 percentile. Like what I would project him for is at or above 30. I think I've got him at 31 right now. Um, I've got him at a 285 average. Uh, he doesn't have any speed at this point, so he's not going to run much. As you guys have mentioned, the lineup is great. Um, yeah, this is a case where, I mean, I've got Rendon in front, but I think it's got less to do with the hit tool and the power and more to do with the fact that I think Rendon's a better bet to swipe seven to ten bags. Mm. Um, so I'm willing to invest in Rendon over Suarez because of that factor. But, you know, it, like I said, if they're both on the board and I'm coming back around, you know, and – there's only one guy between me. I'll take the shot, let him make the choice for me, and I'll take whoever he leaves. And I would not feel bad at all if I ended up with Suarez. Pat, Pat, do you have bias over both these guys? No. Okay, neither do I. Neither do I. 
No, both I, these I guys don't have a bias. Both and these I have, guys over bias. Full disclosure, I, full disclosure, I had Travis Shaw over bias. I do not have Travis Shaw over bias. No, I don't have There's Travis Shaw over bias. No, no way. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, Miguel Andujar, 65.3. Big year for the Yankee rookie. Lineup will be loaded once again. Do the trade murmurs that the Yankees might deal him. Is that the trade murmurs? Yes. <laughs> oh, mur- oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant to say rumors. Maybe. <laughs> You're mur- drunk. Yeah, on my Nestle chocolate. I'm just probably uh, autocorrected. But anyway, so the trade rumors, do the trade rumors make you nervous at all that the Yankees see downside in Andohar as opposed to last year's upset? Uh, Joe, kick us off since you're... Me? Wait, no, Nick, you go. It's your boy. Well, let me me, me take this as a Yankee fan. So, first of all, Andohar was great last year. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He was clutch. Um... You know, that's what I like most about him. He got a lot of big hits for us. But as a Yankee fan and a fantasy manager, um, there are some issues with Andujar. And I, I said it all year last year when Yankee fans were going nuts. And when Yankee fans were going nuts this offseason saying, oh, why would you pay for Machado? Please, please stay away. Please put those Yankee fans and me, like, separate from each other. Please. Yeah, because like, like, one don't, can play defense and the other one can't. Like, I just, I can't one even. One can take a walk and the other one can't. You know, I, I, have, I have three really, really close friends who are Yankees fans, and they all kind of said the same thing, like, that I just said. Like, they want, why are we going to spend this money? I'm like, what, when, does, when is money an issue for us? <laughs> We're talking about a, an MVP. The Yankees guy. have become the Mets. I, I, I don't understand. Like, you go to Twitter, everyone's – this is not just uh, – what's going on in the world? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> it's Manny Machado and Miguel Andujar, who played one year, had a 328 OBP, a 316 BABIP over a 27 average, which is great, but a 4.1 walk percentage. I think there was a lot of luck last year. I think the pop comes down a little bit. Um, I think that the average definitely comes down. I do not see him as a 27 hitter. I see him more as a 275-ish hitter. Yep. I, think he, I think that as far as the pop goes, he's got the power. It's just a matter of contact. I think last year he got a little bit lucky. Um, I see him this year finishing as like a 25 home run bat with like a 270-ish average. Nice counting stats because he's in the Yankees. But um, I would not take him here. I would not take him here because I think that there is some downside with this kid. I think there is some downside. I think he uh, – it's just a question mark for me. I see him go through droughts last year where he looked completely lost at the plate, found it again quick. But when he got lost, he looked bad. And I, I just don't think he's ready yet. He, I just don't think he's ready yet. It's, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Done. I just want to state for the record, murmur was totally a appropriate word in that circumstance. Oh, no, it was. I just <laughs> thought you meant rumor. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Nick. I, I think that he's a player that is a quality player, but did run into some, some good luck last year. Um, and part of it is the ballpark. So, I mean, if Andahar was playing in – Miami or Oakland, I, I mean, I think that the power would be much closer to 
low twenties to high teens than it would be mid twenties that it was last year. Um, you also have got to be concerned about the defense. The defense is absolutely terrible. Yeah. And this profile can play at third base. You know, the sort of 275, 280, 25 homer bat can play there. But when you shift across the diamond and you account for a little bit of regression in the power and a little bit of regression in the batting average, it doesn't start to look so great when it comes to first base, um, especially when the OBP is not there. So it, it's, it's a very fine line that Andahar has to walk. It doesn't mean that I don't think he's capable of being a good player. I mean, we saw it last year. There's not that many guys that hit 295 and 25 bombs and, you know, had the run production that he had, even hitting towards the back of that lineup. Um, so, I mean, it, it's not that he's not without some resemblance of upside. It's just I expect some regression, and if he regresses really hard, he, he could very easily find himself out of a job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't really have much to add, so. Okay, let's take it to Nick's new favorite player, Matt Carpenter. Hmm. 72.89 ADP, 10th overall third baseman. He's got first base eligibility. He's also got second base in 10-game formats. So I talked about him on the first base pod. I'm curious what your guys' take is. A near MVP season, do you think the market is rightly skeptical? Joe, kick this one off. Yeah, this one's perplexing, uh, to me at least. Um, like, the tear was just... Insanity. Like, it was like a Barry Bondsian. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, like, overall th- throughout throughout the uh, like the year, right? I mean, his contact, his contact scores were pretty much, it, like, in line with his career. Um, I know hard contact was up close to 50%, which is crazy. But, you know, that could be driven. I'm sure that was driven in large part by the, just a ridiculous hot streak. I think, honestly, I think he was just locked in. Um, I, I wouldn't really bank on that repeat. It's just like, you know, he just clicked. It just all clicked. He was just seeing the ball extremely well. Um, I am with the market. I, I'm further down on him. I don't expect 36 again. Um I'm okay with high 20s, but I don't think he he gets to 36 again. I think that he was just he was just on another level. So, if you think he gets to high 20s, so let's just say he gets to 28, mm-hmm. you're you, you, you locking him in for 100 plus runs, right? Probably around one, you know, 105 plus, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, just about like at 100. All right, so just about 100, and the average will be what do you think? Uh, I have him at like two fifty five. Two fifty five. So so a so a twenty eight home run year where mm-hmm. he scores a hundred plus runs and bats that average with a very very good OBP as he always does. You don't think that the um, ADP of what's the ADP overall, Pat? Sixty seven seventy two eighty nine. Seventy two is not justifiable, Joe. I said I'm with the market. Oh, you are with. I'm sorry. I thought you said you were with. You were not with the market. No, no, no. I, I'm not. I'm not higher though. Okay. Right. Like I mean, within a couple of picks, sure. But I'm not like. 
I don't. I again, I don't think a repeat is in store, right? Because this 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 line probably put him in the top forty. Mm-hmm. If I had a guess. Well, all right. <clears throat> so I've been. I don't want to say I was the anti Carpenter guy. Oh, you and I thought he was toast. No, no. Yeah. What I, the I still believe. <laughs> The words that I use to describe him and, and are the same words I use to describe Daniel Murphy, which are vanilla. And he's been vanilla as far as home runs, stolen bases, and batting average go. Uh, but after looking at this guy's barrels last year and his hard contact, the 20% launch angle and the 90-mile-per-hour exit velo and the 13.4% barrel percentage, 55 bar- like. These numbers are bananas. And they added Paul Goldschmidt. Of course, so, of so course. Now, so now, wait, now, wait. Now, now I'm, project, I'm projecting Ozuna to have a big year this year. Um, we have Ozuna. We have Goldschmidt. We have Jose Martinez, who's also an on-base machine. He'll probably be off the team, though. Why is that? Because Paul Goldschmidt's there. So? So, while well, they're paying Dexter Fowler, they have Marcelo yeah, Ozuna, Fa- and they got... Hurt. Is and they got hurt? Bader and uh, who, who's Tyler the other one I'm missing? And I'm Tyler O'Neill. I think uh, uh, I, he's I gonna I, get I, traded, dude. Okay, fine. He's gonna get <laughs> either that or he's gonna be a pensioner. All right, so he gets traded. We put Harrison Bader at the two spot. Ooh, Harrison Bader. But anyway, um, so I, I'm totally in on on Matt Carpenter this year. I, I, I like the ADP a lot. Um, I think that I don't know if 36 is repeatable, but I do think that he could get to 30. And if he gets to 30 and get, and I think that the runs will go up to where they used to be. Remember when he used to score 126 runs a year? I think, not that he gets that, that number again. <laughs> yeah. What'd you say? That was once. All right. Well, I don't think he gets to that number uh, this year, but I do think he could go 110 plus, which puts him in elite territory. So 30 home runs, 110. I'm sorry. Th- yeah, 30 home runs, 110 runs scored, 75 ish RBIs, um, really good OVP, 250 average. I absolutely love the ADP on this, and I would take him without a doubt over Miguel Andujar and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm a little closer to Nick in terms of where I expect the power to be. I, I'm, I'm on board with him as close to a 30 homer bat um, in terms of like a midpoint projection. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that I have long thought had another power level to him. Uh, given the sort of hard contact, pulled fly ball approach, and not only that, but also the ability to hit for a halfway decent average despite being somewhat easy to defend, given the fact that a lot of his non-fly balls are, in fact, line drives. Um, so, I mean, I, I think the batting average is a little bit higher than you guys. I've got him for a 270, um, close to 30. And, and I do think the runs will be there as well, Nick. Um, you know, I like him a lot where you can get that second base eligibility in. Uh, I know that's outside of, you know, your NFPC type formats where it's 20 game eligibility. But if you're in a 10 game format, that's where I really think his value comes up. But I'm, in, I'm pretty much in line with this price. I don't have him much higher than this um, because of the batting average. I, I just don't know that I see a path. To him getting much past like a 275 in the very best case. And we've seen the downside where it could be like 240. Um, and, and that is a real possibility as well. And there's also the fact that he's a guy that's had some injuries in the past as well, as well and recurring injuries. So 
Uh, you do have to keep that in mind as well. But yeah, I, I think that I think he's pretty properly priced. I think this is a good spot for him. Now, I'm with Nick. I would not take Andahar over him. I would have Carpenter in front of Andahar, but I do too. Um, you know, I, I think that in terms of overall positioning, this is about right. I have a question for you, Pat. Sure. Kind of random because I'm going off at third base, but who would you take straight up? Matt Carpenter in a vacuum or um, Lorenzo Cain? Oh, well, I mean, that's – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the cop-out answer, obviously, roster which is roster construction. Well, in a vacuum. In a vacuum, I probably want Cain. So, so you have Kane ranked higher overall on your big board? I, off the top of my head, I think so. If you really want the answer, I can look it up. All right. No, no, I'm just I'm I just curious. don't have it in front of me. I am a little bit down on Kane this year. I do think that maybe the age starts to catch up to him a little bit. Okay. So let me um, – the, the, the only reason why I'm asking is because um, Carpenter's the, one of the lead, one of the leadoff guys – a guy that – hit who, yeah. Carpenter is a guy that hits leadoff that also gets RBIs where the difference between him and Lorenzo Cain last year was like – I think Lorenzo Cain had like 35 RBIs total. Um, and there are some there's, there are some leadoff guys who don't accumulate the RBI totals. I didn't know if that kind of tipped the scale and pushed him up since he's able to get, you know, 110 runs with 80 RBIs. It's almost 200 combined. Um, I just didn't know if that moved the needle. I'll put it. I'll put it this way: in in a straight five by five where it's batting average, it'll be Kane. In a format where there's an OBP element. I think I probably have Carpenter or Harehead. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so Travis Shaw, 104.4 with second base eligibility. Or Matt Chapman, who's the 12th third baseman, 104.72. These two are extremely close and part of a tier at third base. Do you want Shaw's versatility and power upside? Or are you buying Chapman's breakout campaign and believe there is more to come? Oh my god, I love Matt Chapman, dude. Matt Chapman just reminds me so much of of Alex Bregman, like the stroke. I I like, yeah. I know. A I like months, it a lot. I know a couple. I know. I know a couple of months ago, I was like, oh, like how how could we be paying for Matt Chapman at whatever? What is it like ninety or so? But man, the swing is so sweet. Oh, it's 104. That's actually not even that bad. The swing is sweet. I mean, he he offers nothing in terms of stolen bases, but I think he'll beat Shaw in batting average. Um, the contact gains were really nice to see. Um, and I just, I think I just believe in Matt Chapman a little bit more than Travis Shaw. Hey guys, okay. do you remember when I said before the season started, Matt Chapman had a chance to hit 275 with close to 25 bombs? I don't. I remember. I remember. I don't. Good call. And, and, I mean, they both play in really good lineups, but Chapman's going to be in in the spot, right? Shaw will be like five or so. Shaw, I think, is going to end up being the cleanup hitter. Okay, actually, yeah, that's that's probably possible. But Chapman's probably going to hit two. Two, yeah. And he's going to be right in front of Chris Davis and, and Matt Olsen. God Olsen. So, yeah, there's – there's a lot to like when it comes to Matt Wilson. 
Matt Chapman. Uh, Wilson? <laughs> you can't stop talking about I can't Matt Olson. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt Chapman, listen, there's there's a lot to like here. K-rate went down to 23%. That's no longer concerning. Tons of hard contact. A good profile for both power and average. He's going to play every day based upon the defense, even with some regression. Um, and I'm not 100% sure regression is going to come here. The power is in line with the batted ball profile, 95.9% fly ball, line drive, velo. So when he's putting it in the air, it's usually hit hard. And nearly half of his nearly half of his balls hit are exceeding 95-plus mile per hours. So that's good for both power and Babbitt. Um, you know, he, he has had a procedure done on his shoulder now. Now there's – a plus side to that and a minus side to that. Like we saw with Bregman, you know, on the one side, he was maybe hampered by it last year and now he's healthy. So maybe there's more to come, but then on the other side, there's, uh, he just had a shoulder procedure done. Is he going to be ready for the season starting? Um, the team is great. And like we mentioned, he's going to be in a sweet part of that lineup. I like Chapman a lot, but with that said, I've already talked about Shaw. I think I would rather have Shaw for his versatility and the fact that he's going to swipe a few bags. And I think that batting average of 241 is going to go up by somewhere between – he's going to hit around 270 to 265, in my opinion. So I'm a big fan of Shaw. Um, Nick, where do you come out? I don't think we've heard from you yet as far no. as these two. All right. So I, I messaged you privately just talking about Shaw. I mean, this is the year when I really want to own him. I think that um, the stars are aligned. That Brewers lineup is just absolutely tailor-made for the cleanup batter. Uh, there's so much OBP in front of him. There's guys behind him that could hit for power. And I think that this is the year where – not only will he get back up to 270 as far as the batting average goes, but I think he goes for a combined 200 uh, runs in RBIs. Um, that's going to go with 30-plus bombs and a nice little chunk of stolen bases. Um, I'm not sure why he's down this far. Um, I guess it was because last year the 241 average, but he had a 242 Babbitt. So, yeah, look. I, that's I, what it is. It's the batting average. Yeah, I just uh, – I, I absolutely love Shaw. I, like I said it before, I have him over Javier Baez. Call me crazy. That's fine. Come talk to me in September and we'll see who was crazy. As far as Matt Chapman goes, he's, besides Juan Soto and Tatis, he's probably my third favorite young player in the league right now. Um, and Ozzy Alves. So I have to mention Alves, my boy. Um, but he, and Jose Ramirez. Well, yeah, that's the obvious, though. I'm going to go off the, off the <laughs> Yeah, Jose Ramirez is old, Joe. He's like yeah. 26. Yeah, exactly. Now, listen, as far as Matt Chapman goes, um, here's what I'm going to tell you, and you could call me crazy. Go ahead. Matt Chapman this year is going to hit 40 home runs. 40. Nah, what was it? It's going to be Matt Olson. That's fine. Matt Chapman is going to hit 40 home runs this year. And it's going to come with a solid batting average and very, very good counting stats. The reason why I say this is this. He had a 93-mile-per-hour exit velo last year. That is with the likes. That is in the same vicinity as Aaron Judge. It's in the vicinity as Joey Gallo. That is elite territory as far as exit velo goes. The difference between him and Joey Gallo is this guy actually makes contact and can take a walk. Um, The difference between him and... 
uh, uh, I don't know what I'm going to say, but he also has a 14.7 degree launch angle. So last year, in, 20, in 2017, real quick, if he pairs, my point is this, if he pairs the 93 mile per hour exit velo with the launch angle he had in 2017 in the half a year, the launch angle was 20 degrees, you're going to see 40 easy, like with his eyes closed. I, is, I, those, those, advanced, those advanced stats are elite. And when you pair them with the contact that he makes, we have an absolute elite player in the works. And I believe in his power more than any other young player in baseball right now. So how are you, could you not? So are you going Shaw or Chapman? I'm taking Chapman. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the one thing I want to add here, too, is like, so if you missed out on every other third baseman so far, which is an extremely deep position, right? If you miss out on everyone else, and you're pretty much left with Shaw, Chapman, and one guy coming up in the next few picks, and then you're you're mixed with like a lot a lot of question marks. So like you can't you got to grab one of these guys or Justin Turner is the other guy I like, right? So one of these guys are Justin Turner, or you're kind of like you're rolling the dice pretty heavy, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that third base is deep, but if you wait too long, people are going to start grabbing these guys as corners and utilities because they're such quality bats, and you're going to find yourself empty-handed. Yeah, right. Like Matt Chapman has value whether or not whether you have a third baseman or not already. So people are going to grab these guys. So like that's what I'm saying, right? Like you got it. If like you don't have a third baseman yet. And you need one, go up and grab Shaw or Chapman or Turner. The A's are going to be very good this year. They're always really good. Yeah, but this year it's going to be just the home runs are going to be just crazy. All right, next up. Okay, 13th, Max Muncy, 105.35. He's got first base and second base in 10 game starter formats. Or Josh Donaldson, 105.83. So who do you like better? And then with respect to Donaldson, are you scared off the injuries by the injuries that have struck him or willing to take the chance? I'll start this one. I have Donaldson in front of Muncie. Both have question marks as far as I'm concerned. I've already discussed Muncie in some detail on prior podcasts, so I'm not going to go too deep into him. Um, But, you know, he lacks a track record. I don't know that he's got any real leash with the Dodgers. And he was exposed a little bit in the second half. Um, I still like him overall, especially where he's got the second base eligibility. I have him above the ADP. But this is about Donaldson for me. I'm willing to take the risk on him. Nick, I know you've been dying to hear this because me and you got into it the other night and you were running down all of the numbers from last year with Donaldson that pointed out that he was on the decline. My take is that Donaldson wasn't healthy, and that includes the first two months of last year. Anyone that watched him play knows that he couldn't even throw the ball across the diamond. Um, and you can also know that because he was on the DL for three months after that until he was traded. So to me, I'm willing to toss out the season's first two months and then take a look at the small sample that occurred in September. And in that small sample – the K rate and the walk rate normalized to the previous levels. He had 50% hard contact. The swing strike rate was sub 
the O-swing was all the way down at 17.8%, 75% contact percentage. Those are all in line with modern day Josh Donaldson. So can I say with 100% certainty he's going to stay healthy? No. Can I admit that he's more likely to be hurt than Max Muncy? Yes, probably. But he's also a league MVP level talent, and he's still young enough to perform like it. Plus, he's the four-hitter in a lineup with Acuna, Albies, and Freeman hitting in front of him. So there's major run potential and run production potential. So I'm willing to take the shot on Donaldson here. Um, so I'm taking Muncy. Um, and like Pat said, we spoke about this off air. I wish it was on air because it was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, I, Pat, first of all, I do agree with you. A lot of last year, a lot of the stats that I mentioned to you that were down, they were definitely due to injury. I, I agree with you there. Uh, my issue with Donaldson is this. I've never owned him in fantasy for this one particular reason. I've always felt like he's overrated. He had two very good seasons, like two very, very good seasons. That's it. Those two years, he hit 41 and 37 home runs, and he had a 284 average and a 297 average. Um, The counting stats were really good because that Blue Jays lineup at the time was was pretty stacked. Other than that, it's been pretty mediocre. I mean, you could say, well, you went, oh, he paced out in 2017, whatever. He didn't. I mean, he was good in 2017, though. Yeah, he was good in 2017. But bottom line is, he had two very good seasons. And they weren't MVP-esque seasons. Um, he didn't bat over 300 in either of those years. He didn't steal cl- uh, close to 10 bags in either of those years. I just always felt like Josh, for some reason, was a bit overrated. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why he's put in this light that he's been this amazing superstar. But when he was with the A's, he was mediocre. When he went to the Blue Jays, he was really good the first two years. And that's been it. Ever since then, it's been a lot of injuries. He's been on and off the field. And I'm just not – I'm just – I've never bought him, nor am I buying him here. I'm taking Muncy, who had an absolutely insane year, who paced out for 40 home runs in his first MLB season, who walked 16.4%. In his first MLB season. That's even more impressive. What's even more impressive is a 391 OBP. When I see a kid come up in his first full year and get on base at a 391 clip, that to me is special. If that K rate comes down, which I think we all think it is going to come down. I certainly do. From 27, I think he'll be floating around 25, 24. Um, That's just going to add more contact to his game and more walks. So, I don't know. I, I really like the kid. The hot streak he had was insane. And you could say, oh, well, you know, Joe said it before with Matt Carpenter. I think he was really hot at the time. I disagree. I think the kid's got a great swing. I think he's got a, a lot of power. Um, and I think he's going to be a 30 home run bat with a decent average. So, so uh, here's my concern with Muncie. I mean, I have a lot of the same concerns Pat does in that he started to get benched against lefties, which is a problem. There's a lot of lot of different players that can fill his spot in LA, which is a problem. Um, that's not to say that that Donaldson doesn't have at bat or playing time problems, in that he might get hurt and miss playing time. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't feel really particularly good about either of these guys. 
Um, well, why, why, first of all, why was he benched against lefties? He wasn't that bad. He was bad he, at 255. He, he wasn't that bad, right? But the Dodgers are just rich with players that can be swapped. Yeah, but are they still rich with players that could be swapped? Well, now they have Verdugo, right? Verdugo is okay. going to get regular playing time. Okay. Um, I mean, Kike is going to bat against lefties, right? Mm, yep, yeah, he's a lefty crusher. Right, so Kike bats against lefties, and and Muncy doesn't. Right? I don't. Be- I don't. Bellinger, I, don't, I, don't know. Bellinger, I don't. Bellinger. I don't probably could... has a bigger leash. Well, no, think... no, he could. Kike could fill in for um, Peterson. I think we're jumping the gun on saying that Muncy has a platoon issue here. I really do. I I I don't think he has a platoon issue. I just think that Robertson is obsessed with platoon issues or potential platoon issues. But, and, he, but, and, but then you're, you're insinuating though, that he's going to be obsessed with Muncie's platoon issues is what you're saying, but there really isn't that it's a 10 point difference. Righties versus lefties. I, I think that at the end of the day, Bellinger is the one that gets the longest leash Agreed. against the lefties. So, I don't. I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't know if he's gonna. If he's. If it, like I think 480 plate appearances is probably okay again to project. But is he gonna bat, Is he gonna hit 35 home runs again? I mean, yes, he was. He had extensive b- barrels, and he was an exit velo darling, right? But you know, we don't have a, a huge track record on him, and he and he did get exposed a little bit in the second half. He slowed up significantly, so. All I'm saying is, like, I just don't feel – I don't feel particularly good about either of them because I think they both have huge problems. And, again, I'd much, much, much rather have Justin Turner over the two of them. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, since you want to talk about Justin Turner so much, 15th overall third baseman, Justin Turner, 109.63. Uh, Turner is sort of the Daniel Murphy, Robinson Cano model of third base in terms of skills, but he's also struggled to stay healthy. Were you expecting more of a discount considering the amount of missed games in recent seasons? Joe? Yeah, so, right, uh, most most of his in-and-outness was because of the wrist injury, right? He got hurt, um, broke his wrist, he missed a substantial start of the season, then they rested him. They wanted him fresh for the playoffs, so they gave him days off. Um, he's coming into the season fully healthy, and when he was healthy, he was still excellent. Excellent. He still walked, he still hit home runs, he still, you know, hit 310 plus. I mean, there's nothing not to like here for me. And he gives you the, at this price, he gives you the elite tool in batting average that you can't get anymore. Um, so that's why I like Turner easily the best out of the three, right? They all are going to, ha- all three of them have playing time issues. So give me the player with the elite, elite skill. Um, it's a, I think that's a very good point, Joe. Um, but... It, it, it's really based on it's. I think it's also based on roster construction at this point. If you if you could take the risk and chase the upside in the other two guys, um, then go ahead, swing for the fences. But if you need if you need the average, then you certainly go with Turner here. Um, I've never been a fan, honestly. To me, he's just vanilla. Um, he definitely is. Yeah, he is vanilla. Um, he doesn't steal that many bases. Uh, he doesn't hit that many home runs. I don't think he's. A tw- I don't think he gets back to twenty seven pop, which he had in twenty sixteen. He's close to 35 years old now. It feels like he's 50. I don't know how he's only 34. But, um, I, you know, I project him for, like, low 20s pop. 
um, right around a 300 average, good counting stats, and you know under five steals. So it's it is boring, but he gets to the average. I just I've been down that road before where I've had the average guy in Buster Posey, and it's just not it's just not fun. It's just not fun. Yeah, it, it seems to me like these guys all just sort of run together, you know, in terms of the sort of value that they'll produce. Um, but I agree with you, Nick. You know, Turner's kind of boring in the sense that he's like a 20-25 homer bat, and then you got to sort of cap the upside based upon the plate appearances, which I don't think will be there. Because I think the Dodgers have the expectation – that they're going to get into the postseason again, and they're likely to rest him on and off all year. So, I mean, even the run production totals might be a little substandard from what you would expect. Now, as Joe has mentioned, and he's right, you know, that elite skill, the, the plate discipline and the batting average. Um, and it's really tough to find that sort of profile at this level of the draft. So I do think it's a team context thing. You know, if you need the power – Obviously, Muncie and Donaldson are better bets to hit for sort of game-changing power that you might need, whereas Turner is probably, at this point, I would feel very uncomfortable projecting him beyond 25 homers. Um, and that feels yeah, sort of funny mm -hmm. um, because – the profile is so good that you would think that there might be more there, but I just don't know that the combination of playing time and power is there for him to exceed 25 homers. Joe, as the, as a Turner guy, give me um, an AB pro uh, projection. Uh, I, at bats, I have him at, where is he? Uh, 490. So, so you think I, it, so I have it baked in. So go ahead. What's, give me a projection then with the with the four ninety ABs. Um, I have him at three ten, nine twenty OPS, twenty three home runs, two stolen bases, and twenty three home runs with with, with four hundred and ninety ABs. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm the high man, I guess. You're very high. Yeah, high on you're, you're high, you're, high man. <laughs> you're definitely high. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so. But I, I think my point still stands from a couple of minutes ago that, like, did, right, just in our discussion, right, between the three of us about Turner and Donaldson and Muncie, right, and their question marks, Chapman and Shaw look that much more appealing. Yes. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Right, because, like, these guys all have significant playing time possible issues whereas i think shaw and chapman sure granted anyone can get hurt but from our track record so far and their ages um you feel pretty good about it yep yeah yep okay let's look at jerkson profar 16th at third base 116.48 he's got first base second base in 10 game formats Obviously, third base and shortstop eligibility. Would you rather have him or the 17th overall third baseman, Will Myers, 118 with outfield eligibility? So are you buying the young Swiss Army knife moving to Oakland? 
or are you sticking with the power-speed combination in San Diego? Nick, you've always been the Will Myers guy. Why don't you start us off? Well, of course I'm taking Will Myers. It's not even close. Um, first of all, before I go any further, where do you think Jerickson Profar is in that lineup for starting the year? I think he'll beat out... Uh, I think he'll probably be two. Really? Well, who's the leadoff guy? Oh, sorry, sorry. No, Chapman's going to be two. So uh, you think... Actually, I, I no, think... My no, point is, I think, I think Profar is going to be the end of the lineup, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. He, he'll probably actually be, like, closer to nine, maybe, or eight or nine. Yeah. So, so my, my problem with Profar is that um, he's definitely not going to be the top of the lineup because of the OBP, right? Um, you're going to have probably Simeon, Chapman. No, I don't think Simeon. Sim- okay. Sim- Simeon's in, in – Lost his stock last year. He yeah, he had a down year, but he seems to be their guy in that spot. But well, but 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 let's let's not go and project the entire A's, <clears throat> A's lineup. My point is, I why think that, that could be fun. I think that profile <laughs> it would be actually a lot of fun. But I think that profile would be towards the end of that lineup, like the sixth or the seventh spot, because I don't think he jumps ahead of Piscotty or Olsen, and definitely not Davis and Chapman. So if he's not leading off, he's going to be at the end. <clears throat> um, pairing that with the fact that Will Myers is awesome <clears throat> and is a year away from going 30-20 um, and that the Padres are going to be a much improved team once again. I say it every year. They're improving every single year on this God. podcast. Um, but listen, Myers has the power and the speed. Profar has been terrible in spurts uh, so far in the majors. He's gotten sent down a lot in the majors. He's come up. He's gone down. It's just he's been wildly inconsistent. Um, but last year he made some real games. The the K rate was at fourteen point eight for the entire season, nine point one walk percentage. That's really good. Um, as far as the stat cast goes, the exit velo and the uh, the launch angle are okay. I think he is what he is at this point, which is like just under a twenty home run guy. The speed's not crazy. He's probably just under ten. And the batting average to me is a complete mystery. I cannot project this guy's batting average. If I had to throw one down on paper, I would say two fifty. Who? But, Will Myers or Profar? No, Profar. But he could very well hit two thirty, and he could very well hit two seventy. Um, it's just based on luck, really. Um, so I'm, I'm completely out on Profar. He's not even close to this to his ADP where he's at. Will Myers is definitely the better player. He's going to get you good counting stats, good everything, runs, RBIs. Home runs, stolen bases, all the good stuff. He's coming off an injured year. This is the time to buy. This is the time to buy Will Myers. Okay, I, I'm with you in the sense that I'd much, 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 much rather roll the dice on Will Myers, even though he's never played. Uh, he's never started and played primarily in the outfield and had a, a healthy season. Um, he's never had a healthy season outside of when he played first base. Yeah, which and is, we he, know he's not going to play first base. Yeah, yeah, they've they've said that already, which is a huge problem, but. With that said, I have no – I'm with you, Nick. I have no faith in Jerickson Profar at all. He's, like, so far down my list, too, um, that I'd rather roll the dice on Will Myers. Yeah, I'll make it a clean sweep. I mean, Myers has been playing at a 20-plus homer, 20-plus steal pace for a few years now. Uh, the batting average is never going to be excellent, but you can live with 250 uh, with that sort of category juice. 
Still makes a ton of hard contact. The profile strong enough to support a plus Babbitt. Uh, the rise in O-swing percentage is a little concerning. He was over 30% for the first time and well over it at 33.8%. But he's got enough of a track record of being pretty decent at avoiding chasing that I'm willing to chalk it up to, you know, a half season's worth of at-bats and just some noise. Um, you know, I'm – I'm not the high man on Profar, I don't think, by any means. I certainly don't have him where this ADP does. But I think I'm a little higher than you guys. I'm going to save most of my deep dive for the shortstop show. But there were significant gains in the K rate. He was 10 of 10 in terms of stolen bases. Um, you know, and, and while I doubt Oakland encourages much more running than that, he's shown he can be efficient in limited opportunities. Um you know, I, I don't. I don't know that the power is much beyond what it was last year. So I do think you're looking at like a 2010 type. Um, but it's a lot of eligibility, and I don't know that I agree with you guys that he's destined for the back of the lineup. I mean, right now, Lowry is gone, so there's sort of two spots in that top in the top of the order that have sort of opened up where maybe Profar can work his way in there. I mean, I know Nick Martini was hitting leadoff at the end of last year. Um, I don't know that he's going to stick there. So could maybe Loriano, right? Could be Loriano, but probably only against lefties. So maybe they roll like a platoon between Martini and Loriano. That's possible. Um, maybe they slide Chapman back to the three spot and then go Chapman Davis Olsen and that leaves two spots up top and maybe that's where Profar fits in you know it's just it, lineup speculation is is kind of a dangerous game um so I mean I do think there is a path there for Profar to um, get some good run production within a good lineup and even if he's hitting towards the back of it I mean I still think it'll be six or seven and that means he's still picking up you know the the on-base um, numbers from Olsen and from Davis, you know, when they're taking their walks and able to clean that up. Um, so, I mean, this is sort of just Profar is certainly useful. It's just he's probably overpriced, and it probably has a lot to do with the fact that at one point he was the top prospect in baseball. Um, but, yeah, definitely give me Myers over him. Okay, 18th, third baseman, Rafael Devers, 149.11 ADP. First full year was a bit of a letdown and should serve as a cautionary tale. Do you think Devers can meet expectations this season, or is it another year of some growing pains? Joe, kick us off, as I know that we are both owners of him in our dynasty league. Yeah, I still believe. Um, like, uh, I know he struggled. He struggled against lefties hard, um, but he was banged up. Um, he, 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 again, he struggled against lefties. He was banged up. So he didn't really have like a, a fully, fully full season to kind of get himself adjusted. Um, I, I, again, I still believe, I, I think he's got a, he's got a sweet stroke. He's only 22. I mean, he's a baby. He, he looks like a baby too. He's got a baby face. Um, uh, I think even, even. At worst, you know he's gonna he's gonna pop you like mid twenties home runs, 
Um, I don't think it could get much worse in terms of batting average. Um, even if he's batting against lefties, you know, he had a 280 bat bit, which is pretty poor. Um, he's not, he's not a, the fastest kid in the world, but he's not slow by any means. Um, so yeah, I, ex- I expect him to float around like, you know, like 250, 255, 260, pop mid 20s home runs, um, throw in a couple of bags. I, 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 and I think there's room for more. All right. So last year pre-draft, I really, I really, really like the player. Um, th- there's no doubting the talent here. He's a really good contact hitter. He's got high upside as far as the power goes, in my opinion. Um, he's got definitely way more upside as far as his speed goes. Last year, he only stole five bags. I think uh, in a full year, if he gets like, say, 550-plus um, ABs, I think he'll be at 10 or more. I really like the player. And I really like the ADP this year. Um, you think, think about this. Last year, the Red Sox had a very, very good lineup, obviously. Um, and he struggled pretty much his entire time he was up. He never really got into a good groove. And he still got 490 plate appearances. So that just goes to show how much the Red Sox believe in him. Um, you know, they could have sent him down at any time with the amount of plays that they had. So I'm, I'm completely in on Devers. The only issue I have with him... Um, and it's not a major issue is that no matter how well he plays, if he comes out guns blazing, he, he, he'll never be able to really crack the top of this lineup unless it's an injury um, because the top is so stacked with Betts, Benintendi. You know, Bogarts is probably next in line if one of those guys goes down. Um, and, of course, you've got uh, J.D. Martinez. So it's, it's almost impossible to find a scenario where he moves to the top. But even at the five or the six, yeah, it's not going to matter. It's it, well, it'll matter because he's going to well, sure. that. And but 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 he'll still accumulate RBIs. And my projections for him this year are uh, twenty-five home runs, twelve stolen bases, and that batting average is going to go from two forty all the way up to like two eighty plus. I have him penciled in for two eighty on the on the nail. Um, so that's really good return in value as far as ADP goes. Plus. He's going to have a lot better counting stats in the runs and RBI department. So I'm, I'm completely in on Beavers. Okay, I, I'm, I, can't, I can't say I'm that high on the batting average. That would require significant adjustments against lefties. And I think that's a huge, huge ask in one year for a 22-year-old. That's fair. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 280 high, but like I said, like 255, 260, I think is like a reasonable expectation in the jump. But, but Joe, listen, the issue with Devers isn't the platoon issue. It, he had an issue for the entire year, lefty and righty. He batted 244 against righties mm-hmm. and, he, and 229 against lefties. So there's only a 14-point differential between lefties and righties. He just had a down year. No, coming yeah, up, yeah. Coming up, right. did you consider him a guy with a platoon issue? No. He's, no, he's but, a 300 I mean, hitter. He, no, but he is a lefty, right? So they're prone to being to – being, uh, yes. To having platoon issues. I mean, I, I, I mostly agree with you. I just don't know if I, I'd project them for 280 okay. this, this next year. All right. Yeah, I'm closer to Joe. I got a 265 average, 25 homers, five, six steals, and about 155 to 160 runs plus RBIs. I'm certainly not giving up yet. Um, you know, obviously 22, extremely young, extremely talented. Um, I do think this this is a little bit of prospect fatigue, and I like the price a lot because I do think that there is um, 
the potential to sort of reach the value tier that Nick is talking about. I don't know if he'll run that much, but I could see 30 homers as opposed to 25. Um, and then, you know, a 275, 280 average as a, as a real possibility. Um, not something I would project him for, but sort of as an upside case. Um, but I also worry a little bit about Deaver's batted ball profile. I wonder, you know, I, I sort of see shades of Michael Franco um, where, you know, you have this prospect with these outstanding bat to ball skills, um, a lot of hype. You're, you, you know, you, you see him play and, and you see the homers and you're like, there's something here and it never really materializes. Now, you know, Franco's obviously had two plus seasons beyond Devers. So it's a little early to ring that bell, but I would be lying if I didn't say it entered my mind, um, you know, especially since they play the same position. But yeah, I, and, and there is a path here for Devers to move up in that lineup to that five spot, because I think their five hitter right now is probably Mitch Moreland. Yeah, probably Moreland. And it, it won't take all that much for Devers to leap over him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if he's hitting five, the RBIs will be there. Um, so, I mean, he's he's one of these guys that I see outside of that, um, you know, Chapman, uh, Shaw, Turner, Donaldson, Muncie tier that could very easily jump up into that sort of level if he makes some gains. And this is one of those rare cases where you sort of have enough prospect fatigue to sort of be able to capitalize on it without paying the premium that comes with a player of his sort of pedigree. I have a question. What's up? Yeah. All right. So we're in the territory now where most likely if you take Devers, if you take Moustakis, the guys we're going to get to, um, then you probably punted third base and you're taking your starter now because you're not taking your backup third baseman at this point. So my question to you is, is Devers worth the risk at this ADP, if you punted the position, like could you go into the season with him as your starting third baseman? Do you feel comfortable? Um, yeah, sure. As long as I made up, you know, stolen bases and I have a big bopper somewhere else. Yeah, I, I could do it. And I could also do it with Moustakis, and I might feel more comfortable doing it with Moustakis, depending on where he ends up. But it's not my preferred course. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Like, like I said, right? I think that the Chapman Shaw tier is where you want to stop. Yeah. Is where you, is where you want to be within. So, uh, something I just want to add real quick. I think no matter what, pending an absolute outburst from Devers this year, um, he's gonna have a good price next year. I think if he does exactly what we're kind of all projecting, like. Somewhere between 260 and 280, 25 home runs, okay, but not excellent counting stats, and a couple of steals. I think that'll be good, and that'll if he does do that, that'll catapult him up. But I don't think it'll be up as far as his upside goes. I think, Pat, you hit the nail on the head with prospect fatigue. I think people will be like, oh, okay, this is kind of what he is. But I still think that he'll have another level of power upside um, that – he might just not tap into quite yet as he's still learning. Um, So I think that probably next year will be a great buying opportunity no matter what. Because if he struggles, I still think that there'll there'll be a good buying opportunity. 
Yeah, I think last year, Joe, you and I sort of agreed on the comp of uh, Jose Abreu playing third base as sort of what we envisioned for Devers at his peak. Yeah. And I still think that that's a very realistic possibility for him. Yeah, that, that feels right, right? Like, not really a high walking guy, but can take a walk. Not really a high K guy. Um, and he'll probably bat you know, skill, the 30 bats. to 32 home runs. Yeah, but ha- not really a high K guy, but he, he has the ability to hit for, you know, 285, 290. And like you said, about 30 bombs. You say Jose about. Abreu would comp him too? Yeah. Not, not in terms of uh, not in terms of um, speed process, but in terms of result. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move it to the 19th overall third baseman, Mike Moustakis, 152.94. The man no team seems to want. Moustakis is floating in free agency for the second consecutive year. Are you okay with settling on Moustakis at third base, sort of like we've talked about with Devers? Or is he strictly a corner infield, utility, or bench guy? Well, Pat, I think uh, we'd be silly to not let you start. It's, <laughs> it's your guy. Yeah, I, I think you can live with him at third base. I mean, it, it depends on depends on where he ends up to me. I mean, if he's playing third base for the Angels, for instance, right, they have an obvious hole there. Um, hitting in a lineup with Trout and Otani and Justin Upton and in a park that's favorable to lefty power – I think he's definitely a capable back-end starting quality option. Now, he might not have much ceiling. You know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to crack the the top five territory with the Anthony Rendones of the world, like maybe Matt Chapman might. Um, but Moustakis is pretty safe in that scenario to end up as a top 10 to 12 type option. If he's in San Diego, a bad part for lefty power – with his old teammates, Will Myers and Eric Hosmer, I'm less enthralled, and I really see him more as like a bench piece or uh, a utility option. Um, he's got good control of the strike zone. He's tapped into the power the last two seasons. Uh, Moose is a bit different. Like the exit velocity is never going to come out strong on him because he's sort of a towering fly ball pop-up guy, uh, which is why the BABIP is usually low, and the average is unlikely to climb above the 280 level. Um despite a strikeout rate in the mid-teens. So, to me, yeah, best suited as a corner infielder utility guy, but in the right scenario, you know, if he signs with the right team, Philly being another one, um, you know, I could see it being the case where uh, the board hasn't fallen the right way for me, and I'm okay with Moustakis as a potential 30-homer bat that's going to hit 265, 270 as my starting third baseman. So, listen, uh, I've said it year after year at Misakis. The, the batting average to me is just too much of a mystery. Um, I, the OBP is pretty crappy as well if you're in an OBP league. Um, but he is one of the only guys at this point that could get you some really good power in, given the right you know, team, the right scenario, like Pat said. Um, so I'm, I've never really been a Moustakis guy. I have a feeling that he's going to wind up signing with the White Sox because um, I don't think that they get Machado, and I think that when, once that deal falls through, they're going to go after. They're going to go out and get uh, Mostakis. Um, so such a good call. He'll be really cheap. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's. I really don't think Machado. And that would be more column A for me than column B. So like that would be closer to the Angels than the Padres for me. 
because yeah. I think the ballpark would be good for him. Yeah, and, and the lineup really isn't that bad on the White Sox. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, Honestly. once Eloy comes in. And... Yeah, you've got some, you got one through four, you got a pretty solid lineup. Um, so it wouldn't be a terrible scenario for him. Uh, if that was the case, if he was to sign with Chicago, he'd get a little bit of a bump. But right now, there's a lot of rumblings, a lot of murmurs about him signing yeah. with San Diego. And that would, for me, that would completely sap this ADP. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like want. Even though he did hit. 38 out of, you know, in Kansas City that year, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't want, I don't, I don't want Mustaka starting as my third baseman. Yeah. But yeah, as a corner infield spot, that's fine. Okay, let's rank some eligibility sources. We've got Eduardo Escobar, Yuli Gurriel, and Joey Wendell. Uh, Escobar is 170.02, also has shortstop eligibility. He's the 20th overall third baseman. 21st overall, we've got Yuli Gurriel at 194.44. And he's got first base and second base where um, 10-game formats give you the eligibility. And Joey Wendell, uh, 206.94. He's got second base, shortstop in 10-game formats, and outfield in 10-game formats. So who's your favorite among the three, and who are you least likely to own? Joe, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so in a vacuum, uh, it's in this order, Escobar, Gurriel, Wendell for me. But but um, I think really at this point, it's all about roster construction, right? Escobar you want if you need the pop. Gurriel you want if you need the batting average. And Wendell you want if you need the stolen bases. That's really what it comes down to for me. Uh, true, but I'm going with I'm going the complete opposite. I'm going Wendell first, and then I'm going Escobar, and then Gurriel. I'm with Nick. That, that's my order. Is Wendell's got big upside, and I love the Rays this year. Yeah, I mean, I've given my take on Wendell and Gurriel already. So, like, Escobar, I, I see as, like, a late bloomer. He's shown some growth in the last couple of years with the power department, and the walk rate's now over 8%. So, he's got an extension. He appears likely to be the everyday third baseman in Arizona. Uh, he's got career-high hard contact rate and a profile that's built for both batting average and optimal power. But I'm just not sure there's much beyond that sort of low 20s pop, 270 type. I just kind of think he's kind of maxed out. For who? Uh, this is Escobar I'm talking about. Okay, okay. Um, you know, Wendell has that sort of little bit of power, uh, good speed, batting average profile. He's hitting near the top of a good lineup. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I like him – I like him quite a bit. He's, I think he's going to bounce around. I sort of think they see him as the uh, modern-day Ben Zobrist um, hmm. in terms of what he can do, uh, in terms of playing the field. Um, he might be a bit of a backwards Ben Zobrist, where Zobrist was more of a 20, uh, 2010 type in terms of where he was at his peak. I think Wendell's more of a 10-20 type. But, yeah, I, I like Wendell a lot. And then Gurriel, I think, is just boring. And I just want to throw in one thing about Wendell. First of all, uh, one quick thing. Uh, just remember, he's batting probably either first, second, or third to start the year, definitely. I, I would think he would probably be the second hitter with Pham at three. Um, but with Kiermaier and Pham being the guys in front of him, those guys both carry some injury risk. So really the only place – like Wendell will never bat below third or fourth for the entire season. Like, that's one really nice little safety net you have with Wendell. Um, the other thing is, I think that he has 
the potential to turn in like a Chris Taylor year of from 2017. I, I like love this kid this year. You think he's him. got the pop? Yeah, I think he's got the pop. I think he's got the pop to do, to hit like 15. I think he an- had like under one percent barrels. No. <laughs> no, he had Let me look. Oh, Joe, you just ruined Christmas. No, he had he had thirty seven percent hard contact. There's no way that that, that could be. That's possible. definitely. Let me check. I'm gonna check right now. I th- I think it was like really close to that. To be honest. Well, it was two point seven percent. Sorry. Oh, okay, much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally two hundred and seventy percent better. Yeah. <laughs> But I like, but I, I think he, I think he could hit fifteen, and I think he'd steal like twenty plus, and get, he has the batting average. I, I like him a lot. Poor man's uh, Lorenzo Kane. Poor man, very poor man. All right, let's move to Miguel Sano, twenty third, third baseman, ADP two thirty one point one five. He's got first base in ten game format. He had a disastrous season in twenty eighteen, and is probably on a short leash in Minnesota. But this is a price where it's appropriate to take the gamble, right? What do you think, Nick? Uh, when's this guy going to go away? He's, he's always the subject of debate year in and year out. Um, he needs to get traded, man. Uh, I don't know. The Twins are looking pretty decent this year, in my opinion. But, yeah, um, but he needs to change the scenery. Uh, I, I, if you, listen, if you say so. Uh, what? Listen, last year he still paced out for 25-plus bombs. Um, but... 38% K rate. Holy moly. He had a lot going on though last year. So um, w- what I see from Sano is a guy that will hit 30 plus home runs at some point and hit like 235. I don't know if it's this year, but to me, he's a huge gamble. He completely loses the plate. And if that K rate even stays anywhere close to 38%, which was our big worry when he was coming up, right? Was the K rate? It's not going down. So we had every right to be skeptical, uh, ske- to be skeptical, <laughs> skeptical in 2015 uh, with the batting average, and that's exactly what's happened. So, I, I, I mean, the, well, the, the, the good thing is is that he made more contact, mm-hmm. right? His Z contact was up to 80, percent which is like pretty respectable, mm-hmm. right? Like someone that bat under 200, you'd expect to be like closer to like 69 or 70 percent. So like he's hit, he can hit. He can hit balls in the zone. I mean, I think so much of this was just, dude. He got he got thrown in the minor leagues as punishment, <laughs> like for being for being for being bad. Yeah, for, no, but really, like he was he was like in such such a such disarray that they were like, all right, you know what? First, we're gonna ship you to what was it, double A or single A? I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it went all yeah. he went to high A. He went to high A. Yeah. Yikes. He went to high A, and then they let he him play there for high 20. A. They, let, they let him play there for 19 games, and then they're like, all right, come back to triple A, right? And where I saw him play, and he friggin' crushed. So, like, he's, 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 I don't know. I, th- I think he's just got to get out of Minnesota. So, this year, projection, give me a, give me a stat line. I, I mean, I think he can hit 30 home runs this year if he's got his head straight. Um, I, I mean, I haven't projected for 30 home runs, but I don't know if that's like my that's not like my 50 percent. Yeah, but the question is the batting average. That's that's what we need to know. Oh, it's uh, I have him at two two twenty five because he did he did make gains. Yeah, but he also the K rate also went up to thirty eight point five percent. 
Yeah. yeah. And I, he I also had a 286 bat pip over a 199 batting average. I don't know that I buy necessarily that he made gains. I mean, he he did make more contact. You're right about that, Joe. And he swung and missed less. But he struck out more because he took more strikes. Sure. His zone swing percentage was down 7%. Yeah. So, like, part of the appeal of Sano has always been the plate discipline, you know, like the ability to recognize the good pitches to hit. And it looks like he lost that a little bit last year. Now, you know, it could have been the fact that, you know, the team threw him under the bus for showing up out of shape. It could have been the sexual assault allegations. It could have been a lot of different things. There were a lot of different things going on with him last year. Um, You know, and I think the addition of Nelson Cruz is a plus from an intangible aspect because Cruz was sort of a guy that, um, you know, didn't get going until later in his career. Um, Didn't really figure it out until later in his career, despite having a world of potential early on. And also dealt with his own fair share of off the field controversy. Yeah. And I think he, I think at one point he was DFA'd. Um, I could be mistaken, but I I think at one point Nelson Cruz was actually DFA'd, which is something that Snow is, on the route too, if he doesn't sort of get straightened out in a hurry. Um, so I, I do think that Cruz being in Minnesota might be something that sort of saves him. Um, and the strikeouts are always going to be there, but you have to have the better pick stretch recognition than he showed last year. When the ball is in the zone, he's got to swing and he's got to make contact with it. Um, but, you know, the strikeouts aren't going to sink to a level where they're going to be not an issue. So he's going to also have to carry a plus BABIP, which he's normally been able to do. Um, last year, the line drive rate sunk all the way down to 15%, and that's why the BABIP was also at a level where it wasn't able to carry the batting average. Not that any BABIP would be able to carry a 38% K rate. It wouldn't. But, you know, he's got to get the K rate down, and then the BABIP's got to sort of carry the day. Um, so there's a lot of improvement to be made here, but I do think that the upside is worth the risk at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's a potential 35 homer bat easy. We've seen him hit for like a 260 ish average with a 35% K rate. So it's, it, 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 there is a path here for him to be an elite power guy be a non-zero in batting average and be at the center of a pretty good lineup and also a guy that knows how to take a walk too. So there's all sorts of intriguing skills here. Um, And if he is a zero, it's plus pick 200. It's the 23rd overall for uh, 23rd overall third baseman. It's not like you're paying some sort of exorbitant price either. Yeah. Right. So uh, excellent call on Nelson Cruz. Um, you know, I didn't really think about that, but you're right. Like, he can he can kind of help him settle down. And you also hit the nail on the head with the price, right? Like, last year he was in, like, I don't know, around 11 or so. Now we're talking, like, round 19. It's free, right? You know, he, he sucks for six weeks when you're probably not even going to play him anyway. You're, you're probably not banking on plugging him in at the start. If he sucks, you cut him. Um, there's re- very little lost here with such high – high potential. So, um, I mean, I, I'm still in on drafting him at this price. Yeah, and if he's going to zero, 
you know yeah like it's it he doesn't have the leash that like eric hosmer has for instance i mean i know eric hosmer is a completely different player but eric hosmer can suck for a month and he's gonna still see his at bats he's still going to play whereas if sano sucks for a month they might send him back to high a or dfa (laughs) yeah so and at that point the team has made the decision for you right so it's easier to cut bait. Okay, let's move to Kyle Seager, 24th overall third baseman, 236.7 ADP. Once considered among the safest players in fantasy baseball, Seager is in a two-year decline. Could we see a bounce back? Yeah, this was shocking, right? I mean, this was one of the, this is one of the surprises of the last year for me. Um, I didn't think Seager was ever really capable of hitting 222 in a full season without being injured. When when you sent me the outline tonight, I said, all right, so he batted 221 last year. The power was down. He didn't steal any bases. The K rate went up. The walk rate went down. Something just happened. So I looked at all the um, spring training notes and news from Seager and tried to find any type of injury, and nothing happened. I, I just, he just was terrible. He did have a toe injury. He did? Yep. When was it? I don't know when it popped up, but he was playing through a toe injury. Okay. Well, I didn't see anything in spring training news uh, notes, and I didn't see anything to start the season. And last year was was crazy. Then I thought maybe, all right, let me see what the splits were. Maybe he turned it up in the second half, or maybe he was really good in, in, at the end in September or whatever, but it was month to month. His best month, he batted 241. He was consistently bad the entire season. Um, he was in, in a row from – from May to September, 211, 240, 224, 183, 241, 233. Those are his batting averages month to month. So this was a consistently bad year. And as far as the pop goes, same thing. Month to month, 4, 5, 6, 1, 4, 2. So he just could not find it at all last year, which makes me think it's lost. He struggled so bad against righties. He batted 208 on the year. Um, 247 against lefties, but... I don't know. I, it, it, he's too young to say that he hit some sort of weird age wall at 31 years old. But I just, I just see a complete decline in his game, and it was over the length of 630 at-bats. Um, I don't know. Maybe you guys have more insight as to what happened last year, but I just see a decline in skill, and I'm staying away from Seager this year. So – uh, so he's one of the players that I, I've had an opportunity to like really kind of dive in um, via the eye test. And what it really looked like to me was kind of just shitty ass luck. Um, hmm. I mean, some of the balls were definitely um, hit poorly. He did make a, a lot of like kind of not so good contact, like, you know, flares to shortstops or pop-ups. Um, but the at-bats were quality. You know, it's he wasn't, he wasn't like giving away at bats, right? You know, that's that's kind of like something that you'd see from someone that was kind of losing it, like giving away at bats. He wasn't giving away at bats. Um, you know, I, I, I would disagree with you. Though. He had a two seventy three OBP last year. He was definitely giving away at bats. No, I, I mean, I don't think he was though. Like sequencing wise, and from what I saw, it didn't look like he was giving away. Yeah. Okay. So there, there are two things that pop out, right? The chase rate went up a little bit, but it wasn't higher than his his highest in his career. And the, the biggest thing was that he, he swung at more pitches in the zone, which 
is a good thing. Generally speaking, I mean, when you're making 87% contact, too, I, I really, again, like, this, without a huge change in skill set and the eye test, I really just think of it as some pretty piss-poor luck. Yeah, he, his carry rose 5%, and, and as you touched on it, Joe, I mean, like, there wasn't really a significant skill change here. Um, the swing strike rate went up a little bit, but it was like 1%. Yeah. So it's not enough that the K rate should have risen by 5%. Um, you know, I was able to do a little bit of research on my phone while you guys were speaking and the toe injury happened at the end of June. So while it doesn't explain the whole entire season, um, it, it does indicate that maybe some of the bounce back that he might've experienced um, with some change of luck was altered by that issue or hampered by it. Um, you know, I, I do think there is some level of bounce back here. Um, you know, I think that Seager's probably true talent at this point, like a 250 hitter with about 25 homer pop. Now, you know, there's obviously a level of variance there where he could hit 270 or he could hit 230. But he's been a guy that struggled with Babips recently in recent years, and I think it's got I think it's got a lot to do with the shift. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect him to post a plus Babip. So he's really got to get the carry rate under control. And I'm hopeful that he can do that, given the fact that there weren't really any kind of skill changes. That said, I mean, he's the definition of boring at this point. Whereas a few years ago, he was like 270, 30 bombs when nobody was hitting bombs. Now he's 250, 25 homers when everybody's hitting 20 to 25 homers. Mm -hmm. So it, it's sort of... He's declined a little bit. He's hit some bad luck. And the league has caught up in terms of what his best tools were. So if he's the, – the, given the line that you just said, in a 12-team mixer, he's basically wa waiver fodder. Yeah, he's definitely – yes. Yeah, either that or, like, a bench piece. Okay. But, like, with that said, right, I think there is bounce-back potential in the batting average. Like, yeah, like, I, like, th I like think there's no – Yeah, he's, he's, he's too good of a player to hit 221. You know, like, no one expected that. Like, what, like, what kind of odds would, he, would you put on Seager hitting 221? Like it's certainly towards the bottom of his outcomes. Yeah, yeah. and there's, then there's nowhere to go but up. It's, it's probably equivalent to – it's probably as shocking as him hitting, like – 300. I was about to say 280, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he represents a good, like, stopgap, right? Yeah. Like, if someone, if your third baseman gets hurt and you need to plug someone in. And he's super, listen, and he's also super liable. He, like, hasn't missed any games at all uh, with injury. So, if he does bounce back, he, he could he could hit 25 home runs and bat 250-ish. Yeah, and that lineup's not as bad as people will make it out to be. No, it's, who's making it out to be that bad? It's. It's, I think it's a pretty well, good lineup. Well, you know, I mean, teams get labeled as rebuilding, so they, you know, the general public feels as though the team isn't any good. But, I mean, you got Malik Smith hitting at the top. Uh, D. Gordon's still there. He can still hit for a good batting average. Uh, Jay Bruce still has pop. He's very much like Seager in that, you know, he's had a down season now. Everybody's off him. Uh, Dingo's there. Hanniger. Uh, Domingo Santana. Hanniger. Um, <laughs> God, that's a terrible And Carnacion. And Encarnacion at the moment, I still don't think Encarnacion is going to be This, this, this lineup is so bad. 
What do you mean? It's really not. It's not bad at all, Joe. I don't know what you're talking about. It really is. It's really not. I really don't think it's bad. I don't know. I don't think it's that good. I didn't say it was good. I said it was not bad. Joe, just a quick question. Yeah, One through four, you wouldn't want to have, let's say, (laughs) let's say D. Gordon one, Mitch Hanniger two. Hanniger's good. And Malik Smith, you don't like? <laughs> I mean, Malik Smith is Malik Smith. Dude. I would rather have Malik Smith than D. Warren. All right, so Malik yeah. Smith, whatever. <laughs> I like Mal. I like Malik a lot. Yeah, he's got it runs. Yeah, and he can get on base. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, when we're talking about the Cincinnati Reds, and then and then we have to talk about these bum Mariners. Uh, I don't. I don't mind this lineup at all. They all the right. dingo. Yeah, they got the dingo. Yeah, oh, the dingo. <laughs> <laughs> he ate my baby. All right, twenty fifth overall, Ian Happ, ADP two fifty seven point thirty seven, among last year's biggest risers leading up to drafts. Happ was inconsistent in performance and playing time. Do you think he can find more consistency in twenty nineteen? Joe, tell me about Ian Happ. Oh man, I mean, he really is who we thought he was, right? I, I like, I think. No, that's not cool. at all. <laughs> no. No, we thought yeah. he was a lot better. Than this. Yeah, I thought he was a lot better. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, he ended up being. Exa- yeah, that's true. But he ended up being like. No, exa- we were calling him like Brian Dozier before Brian Dozier was bad. You're right. You're right. I mean, it's it's so weird, right? Because he cut he cut chasing, which is great, but anything inside the zone, he couldn't hit. <laughs> so that's bad yeah, yeah that's like really bad it was like oh great you 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 got some pitch recognition but you can't make contact i mean it's gonna be really with bias breaking out it's gonna be really really hard for hap to get some playing time i think yeah. consistent playing time um well listen. although uh what's the, what's the outfield situation like there well you got zobrist you got Schwarber, who's going to be in down the lineup, and then uh, and Jason Hayward, who's getting paid a million dollars, oh a my billion, God. excuse me, billion yeah. with a B, and Almora, who. Oh yeah, Almora's all right. Yeah, he started playing well last. I like Almora. They can. I mean, he he might be able to bump Schwarber, but Schwarber's kind of like he He's he kind of is what he is, what he is too. Yeah, See, I but he's like I, a good platoon. He, he yeah, like but, matches righties. But that's where I think that Hat. I think Hat does find the abs. Um, you know, last year he struggled mightily at times, but he still was able to get 462 on the year, which is, you know, almost a full year. Um, he's a weird guy. He's a weird guy. Um, he, I, I thought he was going to be very, very, very good last year. And at flashes, you were like, oh, here he goes. He's, he's going to do it. And then all of a sudden he would strike out like 27 times in a row. <laughs> Looked like Carlos Gomez. Um, but I, I still believe in half. I think there's a, a big upside. Um, especially since that carry rate is definitely inflated. It's going to come down from 36-1, and it's going to come down in a major way. Uh, you know, take that with let, – let's look at the positives. He walked 15.2% of the time in his first full year up, um, and he's never even gotten close to 36.1% carry rate. So I think that comes down to like a 30-ish carry rate. It's going to result in more contact. He's going to get on base more. And even though he struck out 36% of the time, he's got on – his OBP was 353. So, 
I think sky's the limit for this kid. I think he could hit 30 bombs and steal like close to 20 bags. And the batting average is kind of up in the air, but I would project him for like a 255. So you still this. think he's Brian Dozier? I still think he's Brian Dozier. I mean, here, here's here's the path, right? He keeps he keeps the the chase rate from last year, and he and he's able to hit the ball in the zone like he was in 2017. Yeah, that that'll get him up respective respectively, like to a batting average that you can live with. That'll probably put him at like 249 or something like that, and then. Two forty nine. Yeah, I'm not gonna give him two fifty. Not two fifty. You know, like that. That'll like keep him afloat, though. And and actually, um, I I think you're right. Now that I thought about it some more, he he probably will still get still get playing time. Yeah, between, he, between Schwarber platooning and you know whoever needing days off. Zobris is gonna yeah. need days off. The Cubs are the Cubs are that kind of team where they're, they're like the Dodgers. They're where they're like the Dodgers. They like to play all their guys. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I mean that works for and against Hap. But yeah, I, I, I don't know that the playing time is going to be there in any sort of significant increase. You know, I, I could maybe see him get up to five hundred plate appearances. Um he's a little like Sano in that he's got that He's got the strikeout issues, obviously, at this point, but he's also got that plus uh, batted ball profile for Babbitt mm-hmm. while still being able to hit for power. So, you know, if he can get the K rate down to about 30%, he can carry that with the plus Babbitt skills, um, you know, in the range of like a 250, 260 type hitter with some power and some speed. So, yeah, he is interesting. I, I just fear that he might be a guy that needs to get out of Chicago um, just to be able to get into a consistent rhythm and play enough to sort of get past these issues um, from a mental perspective. You know, I, I always worry about guys that are sort of on the fringe like this that have strikeout problems because they're prone to bad streaks and then – I feel like they tend to kind of swing themselves deeper into the quicksand as opposed to, um, you know, sort of being able to dig their way out. Um, you know, and quicksand's bad. Shane Falco told me that. Um, so <laughs> I knew that would get Nick. Nice. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, that's my thought. on <laughs> Quicksand. Oh my god, we're running out of steam here. I think. Yeah, nice guy. <laughs> well All right, so yeah, we are running out of steam. But are there any other names outside the top twenty-five that catch your eyes, uh, guys? Austin, is that you? Yeah, I- I'm actually with you on this one. There's really not too many guys, so I'm I'm with you on Austin. Really? Because I've got a list of about seven. Yeah. Oh, you like you like the you like the gong. Yeah, Gong is on my list, along with his teammate Colin Moran. Colin I think Moran, one yeah. of those. I think one of those two guys could pop. Oh, your boy uh, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick Wisdom is the last guy on my list. He's sort of interesting in that he's got some pop. He can take a walk, oh, and he might have a lot of playing time. What about a fun name like Ryan Mountcastle? <laughs> yeah, but I, I like the other guy in Baltimore, Renato Nunez. You know, he had 30 plus bombs in a minor league season a couple of years ago. Baltimore is obviously going to give free reign to anybody that can hit. 
So, I mean, I could see him putting up like a 30-homer season in the middle of that lineup. Uh, who else do I got here? Jake Lamb is another. Uh, yeah. He's probably going to play first base for the Diamondbacks now with Goldschmidt gone. We've seen him hit 30-plus bombs in the season before. Uh, Michael Franco, pers- the, uh, the guy that is forever a prospect, but everybody hates now. Yeah. Maybe this is the year. I don't know. I, I, I mean, out of all those names mentioned, though, I still feel the, the best about Riley. Although he's probably going to get – he might not get playing so time. Yeah. He's so yeah, blocked. For now. for now. Yo, Camargo. Camargo. Nick. Yeah, what about him? He'll, he'll probably play if Donaldson gets hurt. Yep. That's their game plan. I don't know. All right, know. well – What's Go ahead. You I was to just going to say, yeah, Nick, I don't think they would have signed Donaldson if they thought Riley was ready. I know, but what else does Riley have to do? He played through high, double, and triple A. Like, what else is it? There's such thing as too much time in the minors. Like, they got to bring him up soon. He just has to. I mean, that's what you want. You're a fantasy no, baseball that's player. What, no, but that's what – you don't want to make these guys get bored in, in the minors and start to lose their game. Like, it just – he's been down there long enough. Yeah, but, like, well. I mean, why, so what were they just like, oh, yeah, this is too too good of a deal to pass up in Donaldson? Well, yeah, because they're – listen, they're they're contending right now. The Braves were – they won the division last year, correct? Yeah. Uh, yes. All right, so they won the division last year, and that was with guys in and out of the lineup with Acuna getting hurt. Um, and uh, Albie slumping in the second half, and uh, all kinds of pitching question marks. And now, th- Fulty is a legit ace, in my opinion, this year. And I, I think this team is le- are legit contenders. So well, they, want to, they want to sign. They lost Kemp, um, who was excellent for them. And Kemp why didn't not play for them? I'm um, two years ago. <laughs> Why not sign another good veteran? I save. Well, no, I, I knew, I knew that he was on the, with the Dodgers. But why not sign a nice veteran in in Donaldson, which they need? They have a lot of young guys on the team. I think he fills a good void. Donaldson's a good bench guy, and I think he'll bring a lot to the team. It's a, it's, it's a good signing. Nick's <laughs> trying to will Austin Riley a starting job. You just, I turned, you just turned $23 million Josh Donaldson into a pinch hitter. I love Good job. Go Braves. <laughs> All, right. All right. On that note, that'll wrap us up. You can find me on Twitter at PatrickFWO. Guys, let them know where they can find you. Pat, uh, Joe? You can find me at Joe. You can see five fold me. Fee fi fo. That's me drinking my chocolate milk. <laughs> at Joe FW. Yeah, and you could find me at Nick FW. Please like my stuff. <laughs> Please go out and click, click the heart on my, on my stuff. I, Guys, I thought I sent the nice thing out today. Listen, listen, and... listen. Everyone, please like, comment, subscribe. You know the deal. You know, just like, comment, subscribe us. Even though yeah. I don't even know if you can like or comment. Oh, yeah, you can. So like, comment, subscribe. Please give us some love. All right. Thanks so much, guys. See you next week. Here's John Gray, John Gray, John Gray, John Gray.